The Whiskey Throttle Show, now available on the Spot Network, an independent standalone streaming platform live now on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, Google Play, Android TV, most smart TVs, and all phones and tablets. Look for future live shows and specials only available on Spot Network. Download the app today on your favorite device. Coming to you from the Troy Lee Design Saloon in Corona, California, it's the Whiskey Throttle Show. Brought to you by Yamaha, the leaders in the power sports industry. Motocross bikes, street bikes, adventure bikes, generators, side-by-sides, quads, boats. Yamaha sets the standard. Yamaha revs your heart. Today's guest is presented by PowerDot, the world's smartest muscle recovery and performance tool. PowerDot takes proven electronic muscle stimulation technology and packs it into a sleek, lightweight, easy-to-use pod that is completely controlled from your smart device. Today's show brought to you in part by Method Race Wheels, the strongest, lightest, fastest wheels in off-road. Method dominates the off-road racing market, and they have wheels for your truck, spreader, SUV, Jeep, or van. Troy Lee Designs, built for the world's fastest racers. Troy Lee Designs blends elite level protection with a history of industry-leading style and performance. From motocross gear to custom paint to bicycle protection, Troy Lee Designs is waiting for you on the next level. This week's guest is the current team coordinator for Factory KTM. He is also KTM's factory team test rider and KTM's pre-production test rider. He was no stranger to the podium during his racing career, and he's one of the nicest guys in our sport, Ryan Morris. And now, here are the hosts of the Whiskey Throttle Show, Ryan Villapoto and David Pingree. It's July 2021, coming to you from the Troy Design Showroom. Welcome to the Whiskey Throttle Show, guys. We've got a great show today. Uh, I'm your host, David Pingree, and we've got one of the nicest guys in our industry. Um, I would argue he's the fastest dude that never won a Supercross race. Uh, former factory rider, KTM team coordinator, and uh, testing guru, Ryan Morris. Welcome to the show, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Uh, a lot of people looking forward to this one. Uh, we've also got a pretty cool co-host. You guys might know him. Moto legend, Ryan Villapoto. Welcome back, dude. Well, thanks for having me again. I figure we need a, another Ryan to talk to this Ryan, so <laughs> good to have you guys on. Um, let's kick it off with our Method Race Wheels front-end chatter. Uh, you guys know it. it's the lightest, strongest, fastest wheels in off-road. If you've got a truck, van, sprinter, UTV, SUV, they make wheels for it. You can get 20% off using the code Whiskey Throttle. so go check them out. All right, I'm going to start with a really awkward uh, conversation here, and I'm doing it on purpose. Agree. You guys both either married a sister or your sister married a moto guy, right? Your sisters, you married Andrew Short's sister. Correct. And you, you, uh, Michael Lieb, hold on, tie this together for me. How are you related to I Michael didn't, Lieb? Uh, <laughs> your sister, sister married Michael married, Lieb. Yes. Okay. Yes. Is that weird? Like, you know, you're buddies with, you were buddies with Shorty before you met Hannah, right? Um... I would say, e- like, I was equal between him and Hannah. Like, okay. I mean, we knew each other, but. Did he ever give you any crap for it? No. No? Uh, all right, all right. <laughs> so, what about you? Do you, um, you ever, like, go, hey, dude, that's my sister? No, I mean, they're adults at that point, right? You kind of just let them do their thing, you know? All right, fine. Um, God, you guys are really not making this interesting. I was no, trying to make I it mean, it's, <laughs> No, it's not, it's not really weird. Actually, that's who I was talking to on the way in was Michael yeah. um, about Canvas stuff, you know? Um, just going through some stuff there. And so I, um, you know, talk to him, yeah. you know, quite often and work with him, you know. So. And those are both good dudes. I guess if you yeah. are going to 
be related to somebody. I shit, I'm married. I'm related to Phil Lawrence. So yeah. I guess we're looking at us all. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even know where I was tied into yeah. it, but I am. Yes, I mean, like my little Phil and dude. Randy. Yeah, yeah, I know. My little dude's flying to Texas on Tuesday. They go hang out at the farm. Oh, how cool is that? That'd be cool. Son, That's so. cool. You get out there to see him very often? It's been a few years since I've been out there. Okay. Pretty neat ranch. Yeah, I see so photos. I'm like, dude. No, it was really cool. <sighs> right on. Well, all right. I was I was wanting some drama, you know, kind of stir it up. And you guys just I'm, shot me You down. probably have more drama on I your know, side. I don't want to talk about <laughs> it. Let's, let's, okay, moving on. I'm funny. From the 90s, you know, <laughs> yeah. you have all the drama. I really don't want to talk about it. <laughs> all right, next question. Testing. Uh We've all done it. You do it probably as a part of your job now. But yeah. what is your what was your technique for testing? Like for me, I always would I always had a thing. I'd never do more than two laps if I'm testing a part, and like I would only change one thing at a time. Like I kind of had my routine down. Yeah. How do you guys test? What's your what's your kind of practice for that? Um, I, I mean, every situation for me is a little different, to be honest. Um, like currently, but when I was racing. Kind of the same thing, maybe two or three laps at a time. And it, it seemed like over my career, whatever team I was on, for some reason, I always ended up being the test guy. And it's just something I've always enjoyed doing and learning and understanding stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I, I still really enjoy. And then nowadays, like, there's days where it's two or three laps. Some days it's durability stuff. So yeah. you're doing... 30-minute motos or, or whatever. So it just kind of depends on the goal, what you're trying to achieve for that day. But if you're working on developing a bike, not endurance, you only, you know, one thing at a time. Do you guys start with, like, chassis and suspension? Or I guess it depends on what you're doing. If you were setting up a race bike, though, let's go back to that. Like, let's say in your racing career, did you always try to get the chassis working first, then move to the engine stuff? Uh, typically, I felt like chassis stuff, even to this day, you're always working on chassis stuff. Engine, once you kind of get it to a point, then you kind of leave it. Mm -hmm. And then maybe you do a couple little tweaks here and there. But chassis is always the ongoing. Can yeah. be better. Did you like to test? Uh, I didn't mind it. You know, like, would you say was e it's easier now to be a good test rider that you're retired or... Because I always found with racing, you kind of like, you're in your head, and we got to make this bike good. We're going racing on sun on Saturday, so, like, we need to get our shit together and get this thing going. Um. But now, like, if I go back and say, like, when I was uh, testing for Barsha and the, few, the little stuff that I've done, it's my head's way more clear because I'm only focused on for sure. what is this doing. Yeah, mm. I, I agree on that side. Um, I, I mean, even when I raced, I, I don't know, I, I was fine with spending a whole day doing development stuff. Um, but I definitely see that a lot with the, the riders that I've been around. They just want to be able to come in and get their stuff done and get out because their days are long. And, and so typically with me, I'll, I mean, we'll be out there all day running through stuff and, and you can focus more on, on the feel instead of worrying about your time and your laps and stuff like that for sure. And it's a learned skill too. I mean, when I first started, I wasn't nearly as good at testing or feeling or knowing what, what is, what's high speed versus low speed compression do. I was kind of relying on bones, you know, back then. I'd be yeah. like, hey, dude, does it look okay? What is it, you know, what do you think? I would, all the time with bones, I was like, <laughs> you tell me, man. And he's like, no, you tell me. And I'm like, I don't know. And what I learned, one thing I learned from him was don't try to bullshit. Like, if yeah. you don't feel it or, or you don't know, just come in and say, I don't know, man. I can't tell. Yeah. Between that to this, I can't tell the difference. Because at early on, I was like, yeah, I think that's better. And I, in my head, I'm like, I can't tell the difference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And that'll steer you. Now you go off way, down a wrong path. Yeah, sure. yeah. Did you guys have issues ever like that, something like that? Mm. You were a pretty good tester right away, huh? Yeah, I mean, 
uh, for like I don't I don't know if I was or wasn't. I mean, I always got stuck doing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but even I mean, the years that I did work with Bones, it was I never really asked questions. She would just say, "I'm gonna change something." Okay. Like I always trusted them that it was the right direction. And yeah. Typically, it was. So. Uh, I think that there's th- that's a little segment that new guys coming in. I think they miss that. I think our teams would be really smart as they're a good amateur to, if they know they're going to bring them on to bring them out for some days and go, Hey, let's, let's walk through for like, sure. here's how you should test. Here's, here's what this does. If I, if I turn this clicker, here's what it's going to feel like. Go out and try that. Okay. Now if your rebounds too fast here, I'm going to open it up. Now go feel that. Okay. That's what that is. Yeah. Kind of teach them because whether that, whether you can, develop the bike that you want or you can't and you're just relying on someone to get it right, man, that could be the difference between yeah. being I, really comfortable I, and being like, yeah, it's okay. I agree with you on that. I think maybe that's one of the reasons that things that helped me out. When I was amateur, I used to come down here maybe once a few days a month and Larry was over watching me with Chaparral and stuff and we would have some test days and stuff. So I kind of did, I was doing stuff at a younger age than mm. I would say most people most kids were mm-hmm. and i think that's what kind of helped me through everything yeah i mean I th- i'd say a lot th- seems like today i mean i'm not saying everybody but it seems like a, everybody's like they either don't want to test or they don't know how to test yeah in today's racing and I, i'm not i wasn't the best at it but i didn't mind it and i i kind of knew what i wanted and i always just let like you said this is what I feel. Now fix it. It's yeah. their job to fix it. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're just supposed to relay the message. I think when you're mm-hmm. racing, the hardest thing is like obviously there's test days where you don't learn anything and you probably go backwards, and it's super frustrating when you're trying to get ready for the mm-hmm. season or whatever. Like I've I've seen it. Well, I've been I've had days where, like you said, I'd be like I, I don't know what's wrong, but it's not right, mm-hmm. and it's almost like you're speaking two different languages at times. And the, what you're saying to them, it's like they're not really getting it and they're trying to do something else. Well, no, that, it's not helping. You know, I don't but know. But it's all part of the process. You have yeah. to go through those jump, the jump yeah. through those hoops or you'll never get it good. Yeah. I, I mean, there's no perfect thing. Like, hey, this is, this is going to work for you. And yeah. I think a lot of these guys are expecting like, hey, we're factory. We're on a factory team. Like, give me th- this bike's going to be great. And it, none of, they all have a flaw. Yeah. yeah. Every- and, and they think if I get the works, if I get the good suspension, like it's just going to work. It's going to be great. You can have full factory shit. If it's not set up right for you, it's terrible. Right. I've ridden factory stuff and I'm like, this is awful. I mean, straight up. I've had days like say at Glen Helen when it's slick choppy, I prefer the production bike over our factory bike. Is that right? Yeah. Just more plush on that initial stuff. Well, I think you've been a really big asset to, to KTM. I mean, they've called, called you their secret weapon, like Dungey when he was riding, right? Yep. I remember seeing that somewhere. I had a good relationship with Ryan. It took a, a good year of being there, but then we, we got to the point where I could do some stuff during the week and then we would just show up with it on the weekends and he would just go straight for it mm. and not not second-guess it. Um, but I would also say he's probably, I don't know, the <laughs> one of the easier ones for me because typically for if I liked it, I could almost set up the bike the way I preferred it, and it always would he was, it him. would work for him. You guys like similar feelings yes. and things, yeah. So it made that side a lot easier for me. And as a as a guy like him or like you were, how nice is that when you you can let a guy do handle handle eighty oh, percent of your huge. testing? It'd be huge, yeah. Because you want to focus on your motos, your off the bike training. You but know? that's really, I mean, that's that's he's that's the first rider he's been able to really do. Hey, 
I'm going to yeah. set this up, go ride it. Like, that's not. It's rare. That's rare, you yeah. know, so. Because he would just stay in Florida the whole time. I'd be here in California with the team, and we would just keep going and then show up to the race with something new and just go. Yeah, that's That had to feel cool to be part of that, huh? Like, you no, almost felt sure. like you're, yeah. you know, you're, you're part of his winning formula. That's rad. No, you probably helped him a lot because me racing him and, and racing him really close for many years, he would start to spin out of control. And being able to have you on his side and be like, okay, it, it, okay, yeah, I think this is better, but you say, no, I know it's better. It just right there helps him know, like, okay, that we're, we're ready going into the weekend. This yeah. thing's going to be good. Yeah, if he wasn't sure about his decision, Mo could go, no. And he backed it up. Yeah, this is good. Then, you know, yeah. that's huge for yeah. for. for I mean, obviously there was times where we would make the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, but everybody does. does. Yeah. Got you, those quarter clicks. The way you ride, I don't, I don't know that anyone <laughs> could set something up for you. Like steering with the rear, like not many you know, guys it was can funny, ride like that. It was funny when I got on the Yamaha right away, and they asked me to come ride some Supercross stuff, and I was like, "Yeah, I'll come ride stuff." And I started riding, and um, he's over at Honda now. Shane Drew was like, yeah. "I didn't know you could, uh, you know, ride anything different or anything set up different than what you rode at a cow on a Cowie, you know?" Because yeah, I was choppered out, but that's where that bike was just strong at. Yeah, I could make it work to do that. But then I went and rode on Yamaha. He's like, "You don't even look like you're riding the same bike." I'm like, "Yeah, but I just had to ride it that way." That way, I could ride a KTM or a Honda or this, that. You're going to, you know. That was just how you ri- had to ride the cow. how we had to ride mm-hmm. that and maybe that current frame or that, that motorcycle at mm-hmm. the time. Hmm. Um, you know, because I went there and he's like, man, you look really good on this thing out here at Supercross. You could go race it. And I'm like, yeah, well, easy now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it just jumping on something and learning how to ride, it's just yeah. something you do as a, as a, you know, you have to go from production to race bikes to yeah. two strokes to, you know, whatever, and you adapt. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, for sure. Like, yeah, I mean. Lately, Mondays have been adventure bike testing for me. So it's oh like, really? Oh, so you're getting to do some weird <laughs> stuff. I'm, kinda, I'm all over the place. That's cool. Those are big, heavy bikes. Yeah. So uh, I've been doing that stuff with Ricky York and Quinn a little bit. So like on Mondays, we'll go ride 200 miles. That's wow. cool. Well, that, that changes it up for and, you. Huh? Yeah, but then when you go to Paula on Tuesday, the first session out the bike's <laughs> a little different. <laughs> hey, that Qu- Quinn Cody dude. He is. Some of the stuff he'll do on that bike, I'm is, like, what in the world? It's unbelievable. Like I get in the dirt, and I, my feet come out like I'm in mud. You know, like I just feel like I'm on ice all the time. Yeah, he's re- dude. He is ridiculous on one of those things. Yeah. Well, all right, good stuff. We're gonna get into some more testing, but uh, I want to get started with your story. Hey, go check out our new website. The thing's been completely redesigned. We've got all the archives, every show we've had, including RVs. Uh, man, three seasons now of, of uh, great guests. WhiskeyThrottleShow.com. All our merchandise is on there. So pick something new up. And uh, lots of cool stuff, so check that out. Our guest is brought to you by PowerDot. Uh, if you don't know what those guys are about, check them out. It is a, an awesome tool for injury maintenance, recovery, uh, and even just massage. I know GL used to love to just throw that thing on and have a little <laughs> vodka whatever and watch some TV. Um, they're amazing. And 20% off using our code Whiskey Throttle. so check them out, PowerDot.com. Uh, all right, so you're a, you're a Central Cal guy, right? Yep. Tell us about where you grew up. I uh, grew up in Turlock. About an hour south of Sacramento. Um, the local track there is the Oatfield. Yep. Um, one of the better tracks up there for sure. The dirt looked bitching always. Yeah. I, I never raced there, but I yeah. see pictures of you posting from there. Yeah, the dirt they, they didn't have, when I grew up there, they didn't have very many events and there was never any practice just because of, from what I understood, their insurance policy, they're only allowed to have so many events a year. So oh. it was pretty restricted. So did you not, when you started out, did you not do much racing? Was it mostly just riding um, for fun? Yeah, I mean, ba- when I first started, 
was on a four-wheeler. And oh, they, yeah. yeah. Oh, we got a great photo of this. So my first race ever was on a four-wheeler circle track. So And and I just want to know, did your did your mom lay out that outfit you went out in that, that day? Uh, they can't remember. I'm not uh, sure. The, the overalls, never mind gloves. Um, that was a hot setup. It was. I think RC started on a Trizinger, on a three-wheeler. It would have been rad to see you two battle. <laughs> uh, a little circle track duel. Um, He's got yeah, a, so a little more stable motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so we did that just kind of for fun. and then. Did uh, your dad ride, or how did you no, guys? No, no, no. Just um, our neighbor got some motorcycles, and then that's when we eventually went to, to just motorcycle two, two-wheel motorcycles was our neighbor got some and went and watched them do a race and then um from there i got a z50 and that's what i rode in the 50 class and yeah yeah and the old just, fat wheel one yeah yeah so we just kind of it was just a, a fun family thing that we did on the weekends and yeah cool um was there anybody local that you kind of grew up racing with that started with you and um once i started kind of i guess once we started getting more serious um i started racing like some of the arena crosses and some amateur days. I used to do amateur days at Supercross back then and stuff like that. And I would say the group that I kind of raced and local kids for me was Daniel Blair, mm. um, this other kid, Robert Harold, uh, Shane Best used to come down a quite a bit and stay with us. Uh, Where did he live up north too? Was he from up there? No, Shane was from Oxnard, Oxnard, but they used to drive because the guy that used to build some of the sixties for all of us was up where we were at. So, mm. That's where he, oh, would, nice. he would come up there. So, he just texted me the other day. He's he's got a he's doing great now, yep. but he had a pretty wild story. I didn't realize how bad it got. Yeah, I have to get him on the show. Um, uh -huh. So, what, who were the guys? Did you follow pro racing at that time, or or was it so you were yeah. just out kind of doing it for fun? Uh, no, I, I followed pro racing, and <laughs> the I guess the guy that I kind of looked up to at that point, or that I liked, was actually Matasevich. Yeah, chicken. Yeah. You were a chicken guy. Yeah. So it would have been like early 90s? Yeah, so I yeah. got some pictures with, with him at like some supercrosses and stuff. He was kind of the the guy that I I looked up to, I guess, yeah. What was it about him? Was it the it's just the style? I think or? it was just the style because he always yeah. had like the cool gear, painted helmet, yeah. like fluorescent stuff, and yeah. Yeah, I think Troy's got that actually, that helmet from 90 in here somewhere. Yeah. Um, he always did have a like cool, he had a cool Yeah, look and he was and always, I remember as a kid, he was always super nice. Like, yeah. like when we'd go to the race, we'd, he'd always like take a picture or what, like really, yeah. really nice person. Huh. That's awesome. So what, 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 uh, do you remember your first race then that you did? Well, my very first race would have been on, on the four wheeler circle track. Yes. Uh, How'd that go? Did you bring home the dub? <laughs> no, I mean, I don't <laughs> remember it, but. And apparently, I went in the infield and just did donuts for what my parents <laughs> say. Perfect. And then from there, I think my first 50 race was probably at Madeira. Like, they had a small track at the fairground there, and that's okay. where we would kind of race a lot on the weekends when, when we were really young. Yeah. yeah. I, I always think it's fun to look at, like, the kids that you grew up with. Um, you know, I have really fun memories from Arizona. Well, from Montana and Arizona. Like, And none of those kids ever really made it pro. But, man, back then, those battles were like... That was everything, right? Like, oh, I'm going to beat this kid, you know. Every weekend, you you were head-to-head -head with somebody. No, for sure. Was Blair that guy? Like, were you guys battling pretty hard? Um, On 60s, but then Daniel actually moved, through, like, up 
quicker than I did. So he, once we kind of got on 80s, and then he went on the big bike really young, and then he just kind of stayed ahead. Was that because he was, because he's not very tall. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean no, was that, that, what, what was the <laughs> thought process by now? It I like you outgrew the 80 yeah, and the 60. Yeah, I'm not sure. I don't he know. He just went for it. I <laughs> yeah. just wanted to be on the big bike. Yeah. So he kind of moved on a lot quicker than, than all of us did. Um, but up, up north, it was... In the, yeah, like if Shane came up or if I came down here, down here it was like Bobby Bonds, Dylan Lord, those kind of guys. Okay. And was Hollister open? I'm trying to think of where yep. else you would race up there. Yeah, so up there it was either. E well, how yeah. far was it to Sacramento? Like It's about an hour. Okay, Marysville so, and all yeah, that Yeah, we would do Marysville. They I only raced East Street once. Um, we had LaGrange, Hollister, Oatfield, and then Club Moto, which oh. is in Livermore. Oh, uh, Livermore. Is that the old... Uh, it's right off the side of the freeway right there. Isn't there a big OHV park there? Uh, or am I thinking of something else? I think it... Okay. No, this is just a motocross track. Mm. Um, and then, like, one of the bigger series, it wasn't a track that was open all the time, was Los Banos. Okay. It was a local supercross track that they built, and it was a summer series, and that was always, like... That, for me, was my favorite series. We mm. always do all the rounds for that, yeah. So when did it start getting serious? Were you guys started hitting amateur nationals and stuff like that um my first amateur national was vegas on a 60 i don't even remember how i did but the reason we started actually going to amateur nationals was from our brother because he was actually he was he was good oh yeah, yeah your brother my you, brother was you have an older brother yeah i have an older brother um so he was the the better one of us and i didn't really start doing good until maybe my last couple years on 80s like, I was good local on a 65, and, and, like, at Vegas, I would probably get, like, 8th to 10th or something, mm -hmm. maybe sometimes top 5. Um, so we were doing a lot of that stuff because of him. Was he doing well at the amateur level? Yeah, I mean, he, the... he one year at Whitney, he won all four classes in the intermediate class, 125 stock mod, 250 stock mod. Like, he was, he was Damn. good. And the only reason I had sponsors when I was younger was because of him. It was like <laughs> a brother deal, and then eventually it flopped so what then. happened to him how did he what he he was the type that was either win or crash though so the wheels came mm. off quite a bit mm. and uh he eventually ended up breaking his navicular bone twice in one year ended up dying and then he uh, was just kind of over it like back when that happened the they weren't really doing bone grafts and yeah, stuff like they do now it. and they couldn't really fix it and so it was mm. kind of the end of the road for him dang so I didn't know that. That's that's gnarly to go out and win all four classes at at, yeah, a, at so, like a Whitney. That's yeah, pretty. You're and, legit. Yeah, and even like the last couple of years on my 80s when I started getting on big bikes, he was still riding and doing some local races here and there. And I remember they had an open class that I would ride my super mini in sometimes, dude. If I got anywhere around him, he'd just put me on the deck. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little I, bro's not coming through. No. <laughs> and eventually, my dad clipped it. He's like, "All right, no more." But, yeah. <laughs> Did you ever do that to you, Tyler? No, we didn't race each other very yeah. often. He was a little, little quite a bit yeah, younger. Yeah, huh? a year and a half, so he was, you know, yeah. a different class. But, yeah, no, we never did that. Did you guys do a lot of bounty hunters up that way? Like, mm -hmm. there was always those races up Yeah, that, that was the Los Banas series okay. was the bounty hunter. Yeah, yeah, I would do that, and, yeah. Huh. Those are the fairground races. Those always, you yeah. know, were pretty intense. Yeah, so the Los Banas one, they would do at the end of the night, they would take 10 riders so if there wasn't 10 pros they would take a couple of the intermediates and line them up slowest to fastest so the fastest at the back oh boy yeah. and then they would auction you off to the crowd so you pick your rider <laughs> yeah so you bid for your rider 
and then you got for the rider you get $25 per rider that you pass and then whatever the pot was you split it with the guy that bought you in the stands no way yeah that's cool huh I went to one I think uh Timmy Wiegan was racing probably one of them yeah they used to pay out pretty good you, you know yeah it used to pay really good but like I remember when I was younger watching it was like Rusty Holland Butch Smith Jeff Bastana like those type and they would just kill Go each for other blood. yeah just huh that's crazy. Well, a lot of those guys back in the day, like this, like I could I remember talking to Smale because he's from up Lance is up from up from where I'm from, and they could go to a race like a Thursday night race here, yeah. and then they would drive and maybe race a Friday, but if not, it was for sure Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, they'd make five, eight grand a week, you know, out of a three day like little stint, you know, and they used to make yeah, a lot of people money. would do the Saturday night Los Banos and then the Sunday GFI or CMC yep. race, and yeah, with contingency and the and the purse, yeah. they, they made contingency money, was good back then too, you know, yeah. Hmm. So, do you remember when uh, were you Team Green at that point? Like through that kind of time frame, <laughs> what um, were you riding? There's pictures of you on a Cowie 60, and yeah, actually, I never really had a Team Green ride when I was on 60. Like, okay. I mean, they would help a little bit, but I was never like one of the yeah. Team Green guys, local dealership guy. Yeah. So when I got on 80s, um, once I started getting better, we went to I started riding Yamahas for the local dealership, Kenny Roberts. Okay. So I rode for his dealership up there, and then that eventually turned into getting some Yamaha support, and we ran our bikes through another dealership because Kenny Roberts closed through Merced Power Sports, and kind of from did it from there. Was there an amateur race that was sort of a jump-off point for you where you won, like first win or something like that? Um, <laughs> I went to Loretta's one time on a 65 because of my brother and got waxed. And then we didn't go back until I was on my 80 and it would have been, I think, 12, 13 class. Okay. Because it was my last two years. And we that year I went back, I ended up winning the title there. And that okay. was my first title on an 85. Oh, wow. At Loretta's? Yeah. Damn, it was a good one to come through at. Yeah. And I didn't really race any other, I didn't race Ponca before. I didn't really race any other stuff leading up, like, that was one thing I felt like we kind of did different was I didn't come down here that much. I raced up north, and it, I didn't even race every weekend. Like, it, my parents were pretty relaxed about that kind of stuff. If I didn't want to race that weekend, I didn't really have to. And then we didn't do every single amateur national until until it got later. Mm -hmm. But then I, I would say after that year at Loretta's was when it got serious. Like, that's when – You're like, oh, man, I could be – That's kind of when everything right, yeah. started rolling. And Phone then, starts ringing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time I seen you was at, in Eugene. Yeah, for a Loretta qualifier. There's a Loretta qualifier, yeah. and he was there on a. Uh, it was like you must have been riding the stock class, well, stock 125 intermediate or whatever class it was. Yeah. But it, it was, and there was this giant step down. It was at this, and the track was pretty narrow. Yeah. And it went up this hill or whatever, and then it was like this sharp, like kind of left-hander, and there's this fucking massive step down, and he was the only one all weekend jumping in. Were you on an 80 at this point? I was a 60 and an 80, I think. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you were like googly eyed watching. Well, my dad, you know, fuck, I get eye watching. <laughs> he's trying to get you to do it. <laughs> no, I don't know if it was that, but he's like, dude, watch how fast he's going, you know. And it, that's I. That was the first time I remember seeing you race, and we were, you know, at a smaller race where you could actually go and watch. And yeah, it wasn't. Enough. I actually liked that track. I mean, we always there was always the like, what was it? It was the area. Yeah, I think it was an area. It was just an area when we'd always go do that one. I always liked going to that track. That track was fun. It was a little bit tighter, real jumpy. Like, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, up the side of this hill. Yeah. Some of it was shaly. Yeah. There were some amazing tracks in that area. Did you guys ever race Mulkey Park? Or was that shut down by the time you guys raced? Uh, 
That was Oregon. Okay. Um, what about Clarkia, Idaho? Did you guys ever go there? I don't. I know of it, but I maybe okay. have been there. It's, that's where the Four Short National used to be, right? Maybe. I, I don't remember. It, it's the most amazing facility. They're actually having a race here coming up in, uh, I think, August. It's a two-stroke event called the 500 Nightmare Race. Oh, but this place is, like, such a cool track. Huh. Great yeah, dirt, big hills. Like, it's neat. Um, all right. So do you remember when you moved up to pro? When was that? So, like, local expert. Yeah. So in 2000? At one of the bounty hunter events, I crashed out at the end of the night and ended up breaking my pelvis and dislocating it. And then, so I was off the bike for like seven or eight months. Mm -hmm. With my Yamaha contract and stuff, I was supposed to race my first A race in November at the mini Olympics. Okay. I just started riding like a month before and went straight there with no local race, no nothing, and just went straight to the A class. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan. Yeah. We, how did it how did it go? We got good starts but then we were on the ground a lot. <laughs> so it didn't go that great. It didn't I remember go so uh, great. I talked to Bones the other day and told him you were coming on and he said that was the first time he remembers seeing you was at the world uh at the Mini Olympics. Mini Olympics. Yeah, the year before that I did really good on a big bike. He said Carmichael jumped up and raced your class on a super mini no, or something. No, Stu did. Oh, it was Stu. Yeah. And you guys like went at it pretty hard. He said he thought you won, but Yeah, he I ended up winning, but he cleaned his out with, like, three corners ago, and I was the first one up. Oh, is that right? <laughs> they, like, went home and got his Super Mini just to, to do it or something like yeah, that? Yeah, uh, he only raced the Super Mini on the, on the outdoor. So then it was, like, you started with the Grand Prix, then you went TT, then you went Supercross, and then you went outdoors. Mm. And it was all combined for one title. It wasn't yeah. all separate titles. So, okay. Huh. That's the way. I like that format. Mm -hmm. That seemed like... You were a legit champion at the end. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? He had to be consistent. No, They should do sure. another one like that. Well, but now they can now they can charge you for each class probably oh, differently. Know. And, you know. Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, how did it go after that? Um, yeah. how, did, how did you get connected with, the, with Jeremy's team? Um, so I got connected with them towards the, my last little bit on the 80. Um, Chaparral did like an amateur team. So on the 80 side, it was me, Bobby Bonds, and Johnny Marley. Mm. And then on the big bikes, it was Danny Carlson, Doug Parsons, and then maybe one more. So they had like a little amateur team that they did for a couple years. And then when that went away, just with the relationship that I, I we had done with Larry and stuff, Larry ended up, ended up keeping me under, kind of watching okay. over me and... And so I stayed with him through my whole amateur career when it was the Mazda Chaparral to MC Racing and, and everything like that. So Larry always kind of held held me really tight uh, all the way until my first year of Supercross. When I remember coming into that first season, was uh, was it 2002? Yeah. And I remember either, if I don't know if I saw you somewhere or at a preseason race. Did you do like the... No, the only track I rode all the time was Elsinore. The Supercross track because that was all that all there was that all there was Yamaha wouldn't let me ride the test track. So well, at some point I saw you know man this kid's pretty good. I remember being like thinking this kid's gonna do good, and then what happened at that opener? Because you got hurt. Yeah. So straight away, right? Yeah. So we still had Friday practice and qualifiers in, and qualifier I got second, and then that night in the heat just didn't get 
a good start. And then very first lap, there was like an on-off before the triple. Mm-hmm. And 125 he had to shift to third at the bottom and i shifted to third and it like skipped and went back to second oh and so i just i didn't even crash i just faced it just came up really short and uh ended up breaking my wrist really bad and just radius only or what'd you do both of them like mm-hmm. all the way like it was close to compound and then um lacerated my spleen and ruptured my appendix Ugh. big one it's a big case yeah, yeah. so <laughs> i think i had you probably have been better just jumping off Possible, yeah. So have, you seen, have you seen Goose's foot? Oh. Yeah, <laughs> that's a foot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I got lucky. They were able to save my spleen, so I had that repaired. Had my appendix taken out, and then it took, I think, four surgeries on my wrist that year. And now, right. so your out. whole year was smooth. my whole year was yeah. done. Okay. And then I started riding, and I still had some hardware on my wrist, and ended up over jumping a jump, and the plate that was in my wrist was too far forward. So I ended up breaking my bone in my hand. So then it was just like one thing after another that whole year. Mm. And then How was that bike? Was it factory motor? No. Tom Morgan was doing my stuff. Okay. Um, I had good Enzo suspension. Ross was helping take care of me on that side. So chassis-wise, it was it was really good. Actually, my engine was really good. Um, Donnie and Little D from FMF were giving me the good pipes because they, they were doing actually Yamaha Troy stuff at that time. So okay. the pipe development, yep. that kind of stuff was really on point. Mm. Um yeah, I mean, with Larry, Just Larry kind of overseeing. Needed a little polish on that shift fork. Yeah. <laughs> with Larry <laughs> overseeing everything, yeah. it, it it was a good program for, yeah. for what we were doing out of a box then. Um, so that whole year, basically a wash then. Yeah, that um, year was done. And then your first first results show up in 03. Um, yeah, so I signed at the end of that year. Um, MC was going to KTM. Hmm. Oh, you should have followed him over there. That worked out well. It, well, <laughs> I was – the whole thing, even the year before, I was supposed to be with him, but that's when he got his Bud Light deal, and I was yeah. underage. And so this kind of like the whole plan that we had kind of fell apart, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do remember that. So from there, I went to Motor World Suzuki, and that was the year we were teammates. Oh, yeah, that's right. And I went to Bercy and crashed the first night and broke my thumb there. Mm. And I think I just started – I was only on the team for a few weeks. And were they doing east and west that year? I can't remember. Or did they just do west? No, east and west. So did you get bumped to the east? I can't even no, remember. No, I had surgery and then showed up and raced Anaheim 1. You probably still beat me. I was terrible that no. year. <laughs> I was terrible that year, dude. Yeah, crashed out. Did you? I think I did yeah. too. One of them I tried seat bouncing over this tabletop and just got bucked and <laughs> – yeah, that was a Rear rough shocks year. A yeah, soft, it was yeah. it was a rough year that year. I I didn't do very many events that year. Yeah, you and me both. I broke both my wrists at San Diego that year. That yeah. was a tough one. Yeah. Well, that's a hard way to start it off, just right out of the gate getting hurt, and then season two getting hurt. Yeah, it just uh, my first few years, it just kept snowballing. Like like I did that, and then most guys wouldn't come back from missing two whole starts of two seasons right yeah. out of right coming into their starting their career. I yeah. mean, because so I that really whole se- you did any of that season go well? I can't even remember. No, which so the results, but don't you uh, think these should be like we down the page, well, not <laughs> up the page? Well, this is just the way it is. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, you only did five, six races that year. Yeah, because I went and did some East Coast because that's when you can do both top ten at Indy. Yeah, got a night. You can do both classes then, or both coasts if you weren't top ten in yeah. points. End up getting hurt at one of the East Coast rounds. I broke my collarbone and ended up having it plated, and then. 
so that was Supercross was getting ready for outdoors and crashed at Shin- off of Central behind Casey's oh, yeah. house. Oh. And ended up bending the plate and re-breaking my collarbone. So then I had to have a bone graft, have all that stuff. So I was done for outdoors. Jeez. So that was 03. Okay. So over two Let's years, I think I did. Let's just scratch 2003 off of here. That's <laughs> a no, no good. Our first oh, 04 was, we have a seventh at Anaheim too. Yeah, so yeah, tell so us, you went to factory KTM in 04. That's not where I started. So oh, okay. Tell me how you got there. Um, at the end of 03, because I didn't race and I kept getting hurt and everything was done, I didn't get a, I didn't get a ride. So I moved back home, uh, moved back up north. Um, were I, you Were you ever thinking like, ah, I'm not, I'm done with this? Like you've, no, you'd at already that point, taken a pretty good beating. Yeah, at that years. point, I was like, all right, I'm gonna give it one more solid and see what happens. Okay. Um, when When were you, I? I remember being younger and like. It takes a while f- for it to beat into your head when you're young, right? You're, you're so, like, stubborn, like, nah, I'm fine. I'll, I'll be fine. Yeah. You know, I mean, injury after injury after injury, and you're like, nah, that's good. Yeah, I remember my mom, are you sure, like, you don't need to do it. Yeah. And I'm like, nah, this is what I'm doing. And yeah. unfortunately, I'm going through the same thing with my son right now. <laughs> is that right? Oh, so the stubborn one, that's you. Yeah. And right. um, so, anyways, at the end of 03, didn't get a ride. Moved back home to my parents' house. Um, my good friend up there, Bobby Farina, owns uh, some almond orchards. Let me build a supercross track up there on one of his in one of his areas. Um, helped me get two bikes and just kind of did my own thing and and full privateer and trained and did everything I could up there. Okay. And came to Anaheim one and qualified, but then my bike overheated on the parade lap because <laughs> I was on one of the RMZ 250Fs. Oh, okay. And that was the first year they had them. Yeah. So there was a the lot steel of steel frame. Those were not great. I, did you ride one of those or you yes. and Yamaha? The main well, Cowie, they were the same. Yeah. So the main reason okay. I went that way was because still Paul Lindsay from Motorola, he's like, hey, I'll help you out with some production parts. Like, I'll help you with what I can. Okay. Like, I don't know what I can do, but I'll do my best. Yeah. So that's the reason I picked Suzuki's because I had someone that was willing to help me a little bit. Yeah. So I was actually halfway home on Sunday driving home with my pickup truck with both my bikes in the back and Larry called me. And then that's when I got in the fill-in ride at Red Bull KTM because everyone got hurt that night. So Who was on that team that year? Um, was it uh, that? So Lido was racing, but he was a test rider. And then Who's the Portuguese guy? Was it him? Uh, Joaquin. Yeah. Rodriguez. Yep. Um, Josh Woods. I think Never GL him. was on 252 stroke. R.I.P. GL. Uh, <laughs> that 250 was rough. <laughs> He's lucky he didn't die that year. Uh, Metcalf, maybe. Okay. But I think maybe he was east. Anyways. They had a they, they had they needed a rider. Yeah, so okay. turned around. You literally turned around on the road. Turned around, me and my brother turned around. And your brother, was he wrenching for you? Yeah, he's my mechanic. Oh that's cool. All right. If you want to call him that. I mean it's just filters, scr- gas and shape. some dirt off. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all Make you sure need. Make sure that you know, axle's not falling out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um so turned around and um yeah, my brother ended up I got him a flight, flew home. And then rode the bike twice and went and raced Phoenix. I was living on, um, that's when Logan and Jerry and Jimmy all lived together. So I was living on the futon at their house. Was that on uh, Wrightwood or, or what was the name? Uh, uh, Wood? Whitewood. Whitewood, yeah. That I was that Whitewood, house. Yeah, because okay. at the time I, I didn't sign anything with KTM. It was just like, hey, we'll give you a bike. We'll go race and we'll pay for the stuff. Like I wasn't <laughs> get paid to do anything. Nothing. It was a lot cheaper for me. So it was an opening and so I went for it. How much better was that bike than what you were on? A lot. Yeah. It took a little bit to get used to again, going yeah. from a 250F back to a 125. So I struggled at Phoenix. That mm-hmm. was my first race. So oh, I, you were riding the two-strokes. Yeah, so I okay. went back to a 125. 
Okay. So I struggled. That would have been a big jump. Yeah, so I struggled at Phoenix. It was tough. Okay. And being hard packed. Yeah. You know, it's just a way. And yeah, then, that's, not, that's a tough one to <laughs> ride a two-stroke on. Um, the results just, it, they got better. Um, but, yeah, I was just living on a futon and, and trying to make the best of what I had. So, so he was just paying expenses. Was there no, like, per diem or no pay yeah. for you at so all? So it wasn't costing me anything to go racing. Yeah, that was the yeah, main yeah. thing. But so I wasn't. And you're actually making money. money almost. I was Instead only money I was own. making whatever was from AMA or if I got a top three. Did you have a bonus program at least with KTM? The top three. But. All right. Um, <laughs> but at that point, it was it was a an opportunity for me, and and yeah. did the best I could, and and I think maybe after I think I lived on the couch for maybe a month. Okay. And then with being around, and Lytle was the test rider at the time, and gumming the track, and I kind of we we made it, we got a relationship of being friends, and he was like, hey man, why don't you come live with me? And I have a spare room, and so I moved in with Casey in Canyon Lake, and he's like, don't worry about you know any rent right now until you you, you start making some money or whatever. So I I stayed with Casey for a little bit, and then that's cool. Yeah, so he helped me out quite a bit, and then. From there, I actually didn't know that I didn't have an outdoor ride with them. I thought, like, they would tell me or whatever. So after Vegas was when they told me that, hey, we can't continue anymore. Like, <laughs> You're like, oh, thanks for the heads up. Yeah, so I got on the phone. <laughs> Pop my balloon. I got two weeks to uh, put a whole program together. Got on the phone, made some calls, flew to Canada, and went in test road to Blackfoot Honda and got the deal there, flew back home. They brought a bike to me at Hangtown, so I raced Hangtown on a Honda 250F. And you did good. You got ninth. On a bone stalker with just suspension and bars. Wow. And then Did you beat some KTM guys? The only guy that beat me that day was Rhino. Okay. That had to feel good. <laughs> it did. 250F? Yeah, I was yeah. on 250F. Yeah. And that Honda was good. Yeah. That was a good that Those was Blackfoot good... guys, they have a good program. Yeah, really good yeah. program. Um, they came down in the semi, so I it was me... I think Clat maybe raced and JSR. Yeah. And then I was gonna go do the next round of outdoors on my own because I was like, dude, I, like, yeah, this well, bike's good. I'll where go was race. it? Glen Helen? No, I think it was Mount Morris maybe. Oh. So I was gonna drive my pickup and just go for it. Oh my gosh. And then Blackfoot told me if I got hurt, then I was fired. So then I had a summer gig that had a salary with some yeah. good bonuses. Up so, there in Canada. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, man. Eh, so like, how did that go? The Canadian deal. Canadian deal went all right. Um, first round. <sighs> Kind of got my ass kicked by Clat. It was at Nanaimo. Yeah. And it was. He was they, they, those, it's weird when they go up there and race on their turf, they haul ass. And they, not that they don't haul ass down here, but it's like, you know, it's just different when they yeah. come down here. No, I straight up got my ass kicked that day. Dude, so I'll tell you this to your point. I've been, like, when I quit racing and started working for Racer X, part of my gig was to just travel around the world and do different races and write stories about yeah. it. You go to somebody's backyard, they're fast, dude. They're fast. I got beat by a kid in Puerto Rico. <laughs> I mean, you know, you go somewhere where they're comfortable, dude. There's fast kids. I mean, we're yeah. not training for it anymore, Ping. So you got to give yourself that, well, I, you know. Well, listen, I didn't cry at all over it. I didn't lose any sleep. But I'm just saying, you go to Canada, don't think just because they're running 15th down here that they don't haul ass up there. They go fast. Yeah, dude, they do. For sure. So um, it was only a five round series because you had to ride whatever coast oh. like legit like you couldn't ride the opposite coast if you lived on this side so mm. i had i had to ride the west okay um so you do like calgary and nanaimo so not yeah nanaimo calgary uh i forget the name of, it was like the size mission. of 
Yeah, that's like the smaller that's sand the one. Little one, yeah, yeah on the river. Yeah, so that one. Uh, um, what was the, uh, the final round? Was at Regina? Yeah, Regina. Yeah. Yeah. Which is back east, right? No, it's way up north. I think. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, Calgary's but, a bitch in track too. Yeah, that track was cool. really fun. That's when I went up and raced. The, yeah. Even the view, man, like overlooks the whole the city. city yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a bitchin' place. That's a really cool area. Um, but yeah, I ended up doing some, getting some moto wins and brought the championship down to the final moto. And then just who who won it? Uh, Clat Clat Clabby. Yeah, he was fast. Yeah, yeah. I got All right. a, I got a good start, and the the Canadians didn't really agree. So oh, really? They were blocking. <laughs> Sons of bitches. So <laughs> I always thought it was funny up there, like when they went to that two-stroke rule, right, where you could ride a 250 two-stroke in the 250 class. Yep. And then uh, I forget who won it. Somebody won it on a 250. So then they started adding rules. If you're an American, no, you can't ride a two-stroke. Oh, yeah. Yep. And then it was like you have to have a stock pipe or something. Yeah. It was something. They, they started adding all these rules <laughs> yeah. again, you know. I was like, what are you guys doing? But that for me, like, honestly, going up there that summer was kind of the the turning point for me where everything kind of started getting back. I finished a whole series. I got some good results and some confidence and I was healthy. And so came back from there and threw together a program for Glenn Helen at the final round um, on some Hondas with uh, uh, Ricky James's dad. We built, he helped me get two bikes. And so Tom Morgan built the motors on that too. Ross did some engines for me. I had some other people that supported me. And so I did Glenn Helen full privateer the last round and um did somewhat decent i don't remember what i got overall but it was good enough to get a ride for the following year and um that monday after that was when i signed my wbr suzuki deal okay that's when i went there and that team uh they looked good for a while i thought they might stick around and then it it was a handful of years and they were gone yeah it's not abnormal in our sport but yeah i remember that team yeah, they looked then good. You rode like still Suzuki's again. The steel yeah, frame. so I went steel back frame. to the Kawazuki or whatever. <laughs> yeah, you the, call it. combo. The, yeah, the combo. Yeah. So take us through 05. How did that go? Uh, 05 was kind of up and down. And who, was it Tro- who was on team Troy Adams at that time? Uh, no, or? Troy was on it before when it was Cowies, and he was doing really good outdoors. It was Troy Adams and Richie Owens. Okay. And then the following year, it switched to Suzuki's, and it was me, Richie Owens, and Ryan Sipes. Sipes. Okay. All right. And, so take uh, us through that season. That season was kind of. You had a banger at San Fran, fourth place. It was up and down. Yeah. Um, kind of. Were the bikes okay? They were. They were decent. Yeah. I just don't think those bikes were very good in general. They where, were, where did you ride them? At Mitch's? Yeah, Cowies. I was still 05, I was still an amateur, but that was a two fifty. Two fifty F, and then I'd ride the Cakes two fifty for the. Okay. Two fifty yeah. But they were they were decent that year. Um, they could have they been better. They were breaking a lot, though. They did. Trannies were exploding. I, my practice bike would break every week. <laughs> yeah, wasn't the, the I just imagine all these dudes that make it out alive riding yeah. those things? You know, the old you between know, the like tranny you said, and the clutch. I the remember crank the crank breaking and the bog that you would get sometimes. Like, <laughs> was scary. Yeah. See, I wasn't riding supercross yet, so I was lucky, just outdoors. Yeah. So you were you were in a weird transitional period. You were riding the 252 stroke yeah. in that class and then the 250F. Yeah. You probably went faster on the 250F, huh? Or 252 stroke. Um, I mean, as a bike, it was probably much so faster. So I was racing, yeah, and I, was, I had to race Jimmy Albertson, and he was riding the YZ450. So there's uh, no chance I could have rode a 250F thinking like, you know, nowadays, yeah. even now you can't. There's too much of a gap. But yeah. a good 250F guy can make it work in, the, in that class if they're, if they're good. 
I don't know. You know, back then there was no chance. Yeah. You know, and even then it was like those four strokes were were better. You know. Yeah, just so much more power and torque. Yeah. So how the rest of that so forth? Did you have you didn't have any injuries that year? Yeah. Did you get through the whole season? Um, I had a couple. I at uh the first outdoor i got knocked out so i missed some rounds of the outdoors but majority of supercross i made it through okay um outdoors was not so good and, and I, I feel like you and i kind of shared that in our uh, careers where like we were both better in supercross yeah well what, for me that's what was what it I, about that's what i grew up on so like at home in my parents backyard we had a super like a supercross style track so that's and it what sounds it, like fairground races too right yeah and did a lot of fairground races and that's just what i rode a lot hmm. so for me like high speed stuff wasn't really my specialty well, even oakfield isn't. isn't very high oh, speed yeah, everything i've there. rode there a few times yeah you know and it's not very fast i think no. east street would be the fastest yeah but uh, i think i raced there only once okay yeah so hmm. i don't know what it was like for me it was just um nationals if it was muddy like, because same, I think we were the same. Where if like the conditions were right, we could go good. Yeah, for sure. But if it was dusty, or muddy, or like really, yeah. so it's got to be. So, per- like, so what you're saying, paying for you, it just had totally. to be fucking. Tits. Yes. Yeah. If if the conditions well. were great, every good result I had, every podium, was the it would like it had rained the day before <laughs> just the right amount. The track was bitching. <laughs> if they had to put water down, or it how was often little, is that? It was rare. It was rare, <laughs> <laughs> and my results say as much. So I just yeah, wonder if I it was agree. what your just the speed thing, huh? You think it was you were used to tight, tighter yeah, technical tracks? Yeah, just tighter stuff is. Steve, I mean, even for me, still to this day, if I don't ride for a month and I go straight ride outdoors, dude, it takes me a little bit. But if I go straight to Supercross by the, the midday, I feel decent. Like yeah. it just yeah, for some reason it just comes easier. Mm. But, yeah, so that year was kind of up and down, um, and then I stayed there. I had a two-year deal, so I rode for them 05, 06. Okay. 06 finally I, was, like, another good step for me. Um, made a lot of changes that offseason thanks to the team helping out. Um, they actually hired uh, Todd Jacobs as a team trainer. Okay. So I actually had someone helping me train. And then David Bailey was at the track a few times a week with us also. So, like – they were trying really hard to like obviously make the team the best they could and they were doing some stuff that no one was doing then. Yeah. Who was managing that team? Um Brad uh, his name was Brad. Brad Williams, I think. Not the Brad that runs Star now or no, 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 okay. no. Different Brad. Yeah, different. Huh. They were from um, I can't remember who it was. Yeah, they were from Palmdale maybe. Mm. Okay. Um, so yeah, so they made some good changes going into that year to try to make the team better. Um, that well, next it looks year. like everything was in top 10. What is this? Yeah. Yeah. Well, basically ninth, eighth, eighth, fifth, sixth, fifth. Yeah. Everything, everything. Shoot out. Yeah. Everything got better that year for me. It's just with the people I had helping guide me and stuff and the bikes were a lot better. Um, we had some support from Suzuki. Yosh was doing the stuff. We had kit suspension, like the program had stepped up quite a bit that year. Um, it was that year would have been me, Sipes and LaPaglia. So we had LaPaglia as that was our practice track. So I had somewhere that was the ride all the time and like a good facility. And and just, like I said, the program was solid that year. Uh, Supercross went good. Um, outdoors, not so good, struggled again. But, uh, after, after Vegas was when I actually started talking to Yamaha Troy for the following year. Okay. And that's where, um, I ended up 
sign in to go there for 2007 and 2008. Were you getting decent money at that time? Because this was like, that was when the money was good in the sport. 07, man. It was, I think, um, I don't know if we're even back to those levels yet. I should have. <laughs> <laughs> but you didn't. <laughs> but I didn't. Um, I think I, when I was at WBR Suzuki, I think I was riding for like, uh, I think my first year was like 40, and then maybe the next year was 75. Mm hmm. And then, uh, yeah, my Yamaha, my Yamaha Troy contract was a, a decent step forward. Um, 07 was obviously a, a really good year for me. Um, I ended up hiring Michael Johnson to train me. Mm -hmm. um, he trained Shorty and Ernesto and them at that time. And so I was working with him. Where were you living down here? Did you get a place at that point? Like um, at that point, so... Until my last year at WBR Suzuki, I was still living with Lido in Canyon Lake. Okay. And then I ended up moving out, and I moved in with uh, Nate Adams and Andy Backen. Okay. So I was living at Nate's place um, going into the, the 07 season and was riding with Shorty uh, quite a bit just because we had the same trainer. So we would ride some tracks like... Menanga had the one that was off Scott Road yeah. mm -hmm. that we would go ride at, and there was a couple other tracks that we could ride together. Were you, were you friends with Jeremy at that time? Were you ever using his track? Or was that too late? He might have had that thing it torn down. It was gone already. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. I would ride to Scott, too, yeah. Menanga's place out there. Because mm. I think there's two tracks out, two or three. Two or three, yeah. yeah. Because Shorty and Ernie had their own. Yep. And then there was like the public. Yeah, I and then forgot I, about oh, that. Oh, MDK place. had the other one. Yeah. And so there I was three. riding with Nick a lot. So yeah. we wrote, I wrote MDK's track. Yeah. Hmm. So had you bought your place by then or no? Oh, I bought my place in 07. Okay. 07. Yeah. So right. I had a supercross track there too. But you could ride it when it was watered good, yeah. but like you really needed a good rain. It was soft. Yeah, but it, or it would just be so slippery and dry. Even, like, we had the water and water yeah. trucks and everything. And if you really got after it, then you could. Like, Monday was shitty, but then Tuesday you'd ride again. And you, But the problem was you couldn't keep – you couldn't ride Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the neighbor, you know. So yeah. yeah. If you get a week of water on it, then it just stays it good, yeah. you know. That sucker would rut up, though. Like, I remember shoveling when Ron Ron had it. Yeah. You had to shovel for a minute <laughs> to get it rideable. <laughs> Um, Why not get the skiddy out? Yeah. This was pre-skiddy, dude. No one had. We didn't <laughs> have. This was when, I know. This was shovel I days. Like I remember, like my first couple years of Supercross, dude. They didn't maintain the tracks every no. week. It was maybe once a month. Uh, or you went out there with a the shovel, and I think at the Yamaha track, I think we had a shovel and a golf cart, maybe, and that's yeah. what you used to like work Pack on. Pack your with. lips before with, yeah. you'd ride. Yeah, you'd you'd get it watered, and everyone would go out and shovel the whoops and yeah, stomp them down with your feet. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so 07 was a. Maybe the closest you ever came to a title, huh? It was the closest, yeah. And you and BT, I mean, take us through that season because that was a – it's a lot of twos in here, you know? Yeah, so for me, like, my goal going into that year was just top five. Like, that was my goal. Like, I don't want to be out of the top five. And was able to uh, get some podiums and, and run up front and, and we took it all the way took it all the way to the final round. And I mean, so I'm looking through your, your scores that year, 4-2, 5-2, 4-4-5. And I believe it was pretty close in points Yeah. at the end. Three yeah, points or something right overall at the end? I lost it by two. Yeah. Yeah. Hurts, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. I went in five ahead, came out two behind. We got a lot more in common than I thought. <laughs> this, these results right here, 
a lot of years win would win. Yeah, that would win yeah. today. I that's think. what I'm saying. You look at these scores. That's a that's a winner. You know what I mean? If you could have turned one of those did twos into a one, was it, did it come down at Vegas? Was Vegas the no, Detroit? Right? Detroit. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah, Detroit was the final. How, and how? What happened there? Uh, I actually got a good start. I was second, and Dunge was leading, and I ended up landing off the side of the track, and, and di- I didn't crash, but I stalled it, and we ran the slipper clutch in the bike then, so I couldn't bump start it. So oh. I tried bumping, and I couldn't bump it, and that's when you still had to. Go to neutral, hot start. Top Ted center, all that fun stuff. And by the time I got it started, I was way back, and I think I would I come back to fifth. Fifth, yeah. And all I needed was uh, with where BT was if I would have got third. Oh. <laughs> I've been there. Dude, I remember though that that was a brutal time for the two, for the four strokes. I remember watching Ernie one year at Phoenix. I think it was Phoenix. Stalled it in the whoops, and he's sitting there. It felt like an eternity watching him find neutral, do the top dead center. Not to mention he's short. Oh. Yeah. That doesn't help. Yeah, I think he had to push to get on top, to get on of, top of a whoop. Was it Anaheim? Yeah. No. Is that I, when he, I did a three, he did a 180 in the whoops? I can't remember. I just remember yeah. watching going, oh, my gosh, look at him. He's still there. Like, <laughs> yeah. He's still there. I can't believe he's not going. Yeah. It took so long to get those things going. No, it was it was tricky for sure. How did you deal with that? that loss I mean it was tough for sure because as a kid that's something that you dream of and and that's something that I really wanted but on the other hand I was like I I was you just had your best year I just had my best year ever like everything was kind of I was where I felt like I belonged and where I should have been at the beginning of my career like it was finally coming back and um so I was thankful It it was tough but I was on the other hand I was yeah thankful at the same time when I had this happen, I went into the next to last round with like a 12-point lead. And I, I remember Jamie Little catching me in the tunnel going down for the heat race. And she's like, I mean, I remember this so vividly. She's like, oh, you know, it looks like you're going to wrap up your first championship. You know, like fully jinxed me, right? But I'm like, you know, I oh, hope so. Blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. <laughs> Fuck Jamie Little. <laughs> no, but I mean, I just remember it seemed like, yeah, I got this. Like, this is just going to happen. It's happening, right? So you had a 12-point lead. 12-point lead. So then what, did, what happened? What did you uh, I Like, maybe fifth, sixth-place start in the main, and a guy cased a little step-up going into the second turn in front of me, and I, I was just beside him, and my front brake carrier smashed into his swing arm, and it bent my whole carrier. So the front wheel, any time it was come off the ground, would lock up. So... I mean, what do you do? Every I was trying to skim the whoops, and it was locking up between whoops. And I'm like, you know, you know, when you grab your front yeah, brake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't even. It was a jump onto a tabletop for the finish. I couldn't jump it. I I would have to get perfectly straight, and the front wheel would lock up, and I'd have to just land on top. That was the best I could do. And what'd you end up that night? I 15th or something that night, and Bentley won. And then that I went into the last round. I don't know, six points down or something. So yeah, I, well, I no, mean, it was more than that. I had to win. He had to get seventh, and he got seventh. But we both went down on the first turn. I came back. I could only get to second. Anyway, yeah, yeah. two points. Mm-hmm. Same story. It hurts. Yep. For me, I was pretty, you know, I w- that was like five years into my career or six. Well, this would have been four into his. No, that was five. Oh, seven. Right, okay. well, started in o- Well, I o- mean, three. if you count O2. Yeah. Oh, okay. O2 was two turns. I only have three on my menu here. Yeah, there was, I, there I was no it, results for O2. I, <laughs> I let it ruin my whole summer, though. You know, like where I had this good bike, good team. I was riding great. I was healthy. And the the disappointment from that championship ruined my whole summer. Yeah. I had a week where 
I mean, like I said, I was 50-50 on it, but I was still bummed for sure. Yeah, it's tough. You know, like you think of all of the money your parents spent, all the time, all the effort, the sweat, how many bones you'd broken yeah. to that point. And you're like, really? Two points? Like, anyway, no, for sure. I just I wonder how hard that was for you. But no, if you're easy. able, I mean, it, it was my own immaturity. Like, I should have been like, well, you know, I had the best season I've ever had, like to your point. Yeah. I'm still on a great bike. Let's fucking. Do you think when you went into that into that round, did you try to treat it differently because you were it was that close, or did you just say I'm you know? Like no, Mitch always I mean says, I felt like, like I did pretty good that whole year of being just going round to round. Like just being like, just, hey, this is the last round. Yes, I can wrap it up here, but I'm going here to race it. Like it yeah. was, it's round two. No, I felt like I. I think I. I mean, I felt like I handled everything pretty good. Because some guys come in and like, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it easy. And then it backfires on them instead of just going well, out there. I couldn't take it easy because BT was going – he was on a winning streak because I think he actually DNF'd the first round. I think his bike broke. And then he won like five in a row or something. Mm -hmm. And that's what brought it back. Mm -hmm. So I knew going in that you couldn't just mm -hmm. take it easy. Yeah. Because I had a moment in my championship that year where I got into second and Bentley was leading and he DNF'd the opening round. And I, I, in my head, I'm going, oh, I could push. Do I try to push and catch him? And I'm like, no, nah, he DNF the first round. He's not even in the points. Don't worry about it. Just be solid, finish second. Cost me, dude. You know what I mean? So that defensive riding, to your point, you can't do it. You've got to you race ahead. Because your whole life has always been to go faster, win, you know, do better, yeah. win, tr whatever it is, you're pushing forward. You're not trying to ride behind you. But, you know, like staying out of your head is something I, I wasn't obviously very good at because <laughs> – as a racer, you, you know you know where your limit is. You ride as hard as you can. If there's someone in front of you, you try to catch them and pass them. It yeah, doesn't matter sure. what the, the championship scenario is. That's what you're is. programmed to do. Yeah. And I got in my head, no, no, no. You know, you start strategizing, you've, you've, you've screwed yourself. Idiot. I mean, Sabachi did the same thing recently, right, With, at PC. Yeah. Osborne came from last. That yeah. was probably and won. the most dramatic <laughs> way I've ever seen it happen. But, yeah, no, yeah. It's, it's common. That's what I'm saying. Well, guys like what you guys do where you can just get it done, it's hard. It's rare. For sure. So high five. Good job. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Good man. job. You did it. Okay, so uh, how did that summer go? I made it through some outdoor rounds. <laughs> uh, Unadilla wasn't very good. Unadilla, I, I got hurt there. <laughs> okay. The, but the 40th. Yeah, the weekend before was good. Oh, yeah, seventh. That's a good um, finish. Let's see. Southwick was not good. I DNF both motos. Ugh. Were you blowing up a lot of bikes that year? You were on a uh, that the, was 250F, right? Yeah, the yeah. Yamaha for some reason would melt the wiring harness a lot. Oh, <laughs> so well, that's no good. <laughs> Normally we're throwing you know trannies out of the bottom or uh, rods out the front uh, back then. It was just the wiring harness, yeah, just <laughs> plastic dripping down when you come in. Yeah, uh, electrical fire. Yeah. Dang. Yeah, so that year, yeah, it was. And Southwick's always a hard one on bikes. And Southwick never treated me good, ever. Um, so what about 08? You, did you sign a two-year deal, or did they just re-up Yeah, you? no, I had a two-year deal. Uh -huh. um, so I went into 08, um, not prepared at all. I had crashed at La Paglia's uh, in the whoops and ended up separating my shoulder and collapsing the lung, like mm -hmm. just had some internal stuff and came into the season just way behind and struggled all year and and as the year went i got better and better and better detroit second yeah and um was it that I mean, sucks it, when you it, gotta it, race your way into shape it was tough yeah. i mean it was 
it was better than most of my years I had before, but it wasn't what I expected myself to do from the year before. And just that, that year was just struggled a lot. And then the team was falling apart at that point. Oh, everything that was, was when it started. That was the final year of Yamaha Troy uh-huh. was 2008. So everything was kind of spiraling out of control the bikes were going down here we weren't getting parts like everything was just slow like you could see it like mm-hmm. it was just happening you know walker was on that that year right was no walker was on last year walker on it was on it was oh six before i went there okay hmm. um so isn't I'll, that crazy that t- i mean they had a lot of success they won a lot of titles yeah great support from yamaha great personnel yeah. How does a team like that just nosedive? I don't know. They won the title with J-Law that year in 08. God. Mm. And yeah, Super it's not Rose. like the results went away. Yeah, it just it, – it, yeah, it was, was just – Was Dang the team manager then? Yeah. Dang, I've been good friends with. I've known him my whole life. And he – I mean, he helped me out the best he could with with everything that was going on. And, and a lot of it was out of his control, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like I said, the bikes were going downhill in parts – I wasn't getting paid. Like oh, there was really? just a lot of things happening and it was affecting me a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, uh, I had just bought my first house going into that year. Like I just, I made a lot of, like I, I bought my house at the end of 07 thinking like, okay, I'm gonna have another good year. I made some good money. Well, like just mm-hmm. made some changes. Well, everything kind of unraveled, unraveled. Like I said, was and and I had this mortgage. I had a trainer. I had all this stuff, and I wasn't getting paid. So it like was, at what point in the season did the check stop coming? <laughs> Halfway. Um, I was always getting a little bit of money every month, um, but the problem was they were still paying me from two thousand. I was still getting paid for two thousand seven in two thousand eight. Oh no. So it was just just behind. Yeah, like way behind. And was that coming from Yamaha or was that coming from cuz no, didn't it, Jason it own didn't the go team? through it didn't go through Yamaha at this point. But Jason owned the team then. No, then the following year. Following year he owned so the team. So they owe J-Law a lot of money obviously too. So what they did was just signed over assets to him from what I understand. So that's how he started his team. So mm. that's where he got the semi bikes. Was that Yamaha parts. or Yamaha Troy? Yamaha Troy. Was Flipper still around then or had he passed away? Trying to think of when that, what no, the timeline was. Phil wasn't around. Or he just walked away from the team. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. he just kind of walked away at that point. So, yeah, so ended up <laughs> not getting, I mean, being way behind on, on some stuff. And I'm, I remember going to, I was <laughs> you're, going. You're relying on J-Law to get in check. Well, that's why I was trying to, like, <laughs> I, that's where I was. No, <laughs> so at, at the end of that year. Um, in his prime. At the end of that year. I didn't have a ride. wasn't sure what I was gonna do, so I was. I still had a bike from Yamaha Troy that I was that I was riding to, to keep riding. And J Law was kind of figuring out some stuff with his whole deal or whatever. And I was gonna go race the MGM under with like some stuff that it, that were they, that they would help me out with. Mm-hmm. At that time, I was going to Mitch's shop once a week, every just coming yeah, in that's like, the move man like if you really want it you like, gotta just sit in there <laughs> bring him in and out burger bring hey. your sleeping bag yeah. <laughs> just i was sometimes twice a week like I, whatever it took i told him, like i don't wh- whatever yeah i think i did that for maybe a month six weeks like just non-stop i need i don't know i don't know like you know how mitch is like doesn't really give you much 
and um, I think it was maybe two a week or two before the MGM race, and I'd got a text message from Mitch in the middle. It was probably like nine o'clock at night, maybe, and it just said yes. And I remember, like, I remember I was laying in bed with my wife. Ten, ten Coors Lights down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember I was laying in it's bed. Like, Fuck it, I'm going for yeah, it. Yeah, he's sitting in yes. the race shop. Hey, watch this. I want to yeah. tell him. Yeah. <laughs> but, I'm, but I'm just going to say yes. So to make him I'm, sweat. Like, I'm, like, I'm like, can I, should I call him? Like, what? I don't, like, what's it mean? Like, did he text the wrong person? Like, yeah. she's like, I don't know. And I'm like, oh, fuck, I'll just call him. Call him. He's like, hello. And I'm like, hey, Mitch, it's Ryan Morris. Oh, hey, man, how's it going? Like, nothing. Like, nothing. Like, nothing. just did <laughs> And I'm like, uh, I just you you text me, and I was just wondering what it meant. You text me, yes. Oh shit, man, I text the wrong person. <laughs> what a dick. Oh, what a dick. And I was just, uh, okay. And he's like, no, nah, man, you got the ride. Come get a bike tomorrow. And I'm like, serious? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> Came down the next day. He's like, hey, here's your contract. Do you want to read it? I said, no, just show me where to sign. And then from there it was Mitch. God. He's the best and the worst all at the same time. <laughs> so that was so that. How, I mean, that, that, was that like, had to be like a, a pretty big oh, relief, yeah. Yeah, massive relief for me. Um, just, dude, I. And I think you were there for two years, three one years? One year. One year. Oh, just one. I thought mm-hmm. it was more than that. No, just one. So how much money did you end up being owed or, or not being paid from YOT? Um, I think it was around like 180. And then I think I spent another 50 or 60 in lawyers. And then oh, by the time no. everything fell apart, I walked away with nothing. Wow. Okay. So I went in. I literally, I remember this going. So I got rid of Michael, my trainer. I hired Darren Stockton mm-hmm. going into that year because I went in and talked to Mitch. I said, what do I need to do? Like, And he, he was the one who told me, go with this guy, do this. Okay, doing it. Ivan was working with Darren at the time, probably, huh? Just finished with them, I okay. think. Okay. And so I ended up going with Darren, which was a, a massive, rele- like, good change, like, for me. He was an old road race guy, right? Yeah. Just all around really good, yeah. good, always happy. Yeah, like, he's, good Darren's person. a great guy. Yeah. yeah, good person to be around, and, and he genuinely really cared about me, and still to this he's day. He's a super we, nice yeah, guy. Yeah, we still talk to this day. I was up in Santa Barbara a couple months ago, and we went and had lunch. So, mm. um, I, But I remember going into that season, we didn't know what coast we were riding because that's what Mitch did then. And then I think in the same week, Stroop and Porcel both broke their collarbone on the same jump at the test track. It was that little double before the triple. You'd come around and wheelie it, and it endowed both of them the same week. So then it was me and Weimer West Coast. In oh nine nine okay, but I remember going to the first round. I think I had five grand in my bank account. Just just to go back real quick, because I had a team one year that owed me money, about thirty grand. I don't want to blow them out, but I never <laughs> got paid. They went tits up, and they were like, "Hey, we need to get all our bikes back." And I'm like, "I had two practice bikes or something." I go, "Dude, I, I no." You know, like, I'm going to sell these and yeah. try to recoup, recoup a, little a little bit of what you guys owe me. And I said, look, I, they're like, yeah, but the mechanics, you know, that you're at least made bonus money. And I'm like, I get it. But, man, like, I'll take care of my guy. But, like, you want, you know, yeah. it's just a, and, you know, it's just a bad deal, right? Like, For to sure. me, it was a, a, a kind of a gut check on life, business, the business world. Like, our contracts are only as good as the person writing them. Because at any time, if they want to just say, oh, no, we're not paying you, what 
you're going to spend 80 grand in attorney's fees and you're still yeah. not going to get it. I, I just couldn't believe at the time that that could happen. Yep. It was so outside of, of the scope of reality I mean, to me. I think it happens currently today. I'm just <laughs> 100%. Yeah. But as a, as, a, as a younger kid, I was like, I just can't believe it. We signed a contract. Doesn't that mean you have to do it? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> hey, there's a lawyer that will take on anything out yeah. there. Yeah, well, of course, for his cut, which is exactly. 60%. Yeah. And that's why you're just better off going sons of bitches and just walking away yep anyway exactly. carry on i just uh, it frustrates me that that happens and that's not just our world that's yeah. probably every i mean you know every industry yeah i mean like it it screwed with me that the that year massive like i said i just bought a house like it was i had yeah well, 180 grand um but yeah anyways going into 09 i remember going to anaheim one me and hannah like i had five grand in my account that's <laughs> what i had that'll motivate you and just went there like <laughs> it's a good season too, two, man. Three, yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, went I mean, there. Look, the worst was a fifth. On yeah, I was an and idiot. And that again, night. maybe this was the year I was looking at. This is a title winner. These results. Like, I was an idiot this night in yeah. San Fran, but that was my own fault. But two, three, two, five, two, 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 three. Shootout was a sixth. How do you? And who Weimer won that year, right? Yeah, I remember. No, no, no. Title Dunge. Oh, Dunge won that year. Yeah, but okay. I got third in the series, and I think I was like twelve points out. Hmm. Dang it! I was it I was, was working super the, close. It was it literally me, Dunge, and Weimer were on the podium ninety percent of the time, just flopping around. Hmm. But I just remember I remember driving home from Anaheim one that night because with my second place bonus and just being like, <sighs> "Got you got some cushion." Yeah, again. we're yeah. good. <laughs> And then from there, it just it just rolled. I had a we're, I was having a lot of fun that year. Um, Jake, with my teammate, we we had a really good relationship. One of the best relationships I've had with any of my teammates. I mean, we would go to dinner Friday night before the race. We would eat dinner sometimes Saturday night after the race. Yeah. And we just had a lot of fun. Like we enjoyed it. Almost we sounds like you're dating. Yeah, felt like <laughs> it. <laughs> but we could talk about stuff on the track at the race. Like we we were open with each other and helped each other. And I think that's the reason we did what we did that year did you guys ever have any moments on the track where you or did you ride really clean with each other no we rode really clean we had some battles but nothing yeah i would say neither of you guys is dirty but yeah i mean it was, it was a great year i had a lot of fun and and um unfortunately went into vegas and whole shot of the heat race and went down and ended up dislocating my shoulder and uh -huh. when i got up it popped back in so i got back up and i ended up qualifying and then <laughs> <laughs> I taped it up that night and raced and got sixth, and then I was getting married the following weekend. Did that that count for points, or was the championship already kind of buttoned? It up? was done in Salt oh. Lake. See, I never know that either. It's like it's yeah, no, it was thing. it was yeah. it was over at that point. Um, so I was getting married the weekend after Vegas, and and yeah, got married, and then went in for surgery that Monday after I got married, mm. and had my shoulder fixed, had my wrist fixed, had my ankle fixed, like just had everything. Oh, you got a tune up. The yeah, full, got full, uh, full if I was up. going in to get my shoulder done, I was getting everything fixed. <laughs> yeah, that's what. And Mitch said, "Just do whatever you need to do to be good again." And I was like, "Okay," because I told him, "I'm like, I'll race outdoors with it. I don't care. Like, I'll tape it, whatever it takes." Because mm. I knew I only had a one year deal. Mm. And he said, "No, just do what you need to do to be healthy." So had my shoulder fixed. Um, worked really hard to be back for the nationals, and I came back for Southwick that year, and that was the year it rained a lot. It was one practice, 
and unfortunately, we have a bike seized on the green flag. Of of the ma of the moto of practice, so I didn't even qualify. Wow, that's a long way to go. That was the round. That it. was the round with Porcel when it basically cost him the championship that year because his bike DNF'd in the moto there too. So I would went all the way there for my first race back and didn't even qualify. Yikes! I remember I was working for TLD that year, so we had Blos. He yep. was you know top five guy, and I could always tell where you were in the manager's tower because you were a rever. You always been a rever. Wow! Like you, you know, you're still on your way up through a jump, and you just start revving it. <laughs> Is that just? Uh, it's just you were just. I don't know. Like to twist it or what? I guess I don't know. <laughs> I think it just came from. It was a habit that I formed from riding the four stroke early because of the bog that it would do sometimes. That I was always kind of nervous to land and. and <laughs> and, get, and just hope that it didn't do it. Huh. So if she's if she's on the gas, she, she ain't bogging. Which but I, two I'll, I'll straight up say, bit. like, I never had that problem at Mitch's. Like, I never had any issues with that type of stuff. Mm. But no, it was just good. it was just more of a, a habit at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um, Bone said uh, the other thing he told me is, you know, about you revving. We were talking about it. And he goes, we'd talk, with, we'd talk to him about it. We'd work with him to try to, you know, keep the RPMs down. He goes, but as soon as he got into the heat of a battle, <laughs> he goes, he'd have that thing just yeah. bouncing off the limiter. Yeah, so um, I think there was one more round left in 09. And <laughs> I remember I qualified. Last, the Supercross one right here. The last outdoor Still City. Year. Oh, you did Still City. I did Still City because there was two rounds. I think I qualified. I remember Mitch was pissed. I think I qualified like 29th or something at Steel City. Okay. And he's like, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm like, sorry. Like, <laughs> he even tuned me at the, some of the Supercross events. I think Anaheim won. I qualified 15th. And then finally, after like the second round, he quit. And he's just like, all right, I'm not going to You're say not anything. a qualifier. Yeah. 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 Well, we, when we walked in here, Bill Keefe, uh, who was your team manager at Suzuki, yep. said the same thing as, ah, you. You couldn't qualify worth the damn, but you could race. Yeah. But I think that was just the way for, like, for me, that's the way I was started. Like, rate, like yeah. there wasn't time qualifying then. Like, you went out and practiced, took your yeah. time, learned the track, figured out what you were going to do, and then go yeah. from there. I never did that. It, you know, we didn't have time qualifying in my day, but they would all be on the stopwatch, right? Yeah. And they'd come in, so-and-so's, you know, two seconds lap faster. And I'd be like, cool. Yeah. And, I mean, like, let me, you know, well, let's, after the race, if, if, if he beats me by 35 seconds, then we'll talk. You yeah. know? But I, the adrenaline, I needed the adrenaline of a race to, like, perform. Yeah. No, for sure, same. And, like, I was saying, like, Steel City, I think, I, like, I qualified 28th. First moto, I got 7th. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. Well, and so I remember even RL was like, dude, are you serious? And I was like, <laughs> I don't think it's just the way it works. I don't know. Yeah. And then second moto, I got in a first turn pile up and came back to, I don't even know what I got. I think. 15th overall, yeah, so maybe yeah. 20th or something. And then so at the end of the year, same thing. I was going to Mitch for a whole month, like every week. Like, do I have a deal next year? Do I not have a deal? He's like, I don't know what's going to happen because there's some stuff going on and, and whatever. So I don't know what I can do yet. So he actually, he said, I'll keep you on for a little bit longer because I need someone to do motocross of nations testing for Jake so he could take some time off. So I said, okay, deal. So I did some donation stuff for the team for Jake to get ready. 
And um, it was after donations when I found out that I didn't have a ride the following year. So basically, the way I understood it, what happened was Dean Wilson was the next guy coming up for Cowie. He had a deal where he was going to a Cowie team. Mm -hmm. That was the year that Motorsport Cowie switched to Suzuki's. Uh, So the only place for Dean to go was to PC. And and I was the only guy that didn't have a contract at that point. Mm. So then... I was odd man out. Hmm. So then Mitch was super supportive still. Um, part of the reason I went where I went um, that year was because Mitch said he would watch over and take care of my stuff and because it was going to be Pro Circuit Suzuki stuff, which was similar to the Cowie stuff, so he knew it. And that was the reason I made the decision I made to okay. go there because I Mitch said that he wouldn't. And where, what, what was that? that was so it was the Rockstar Canada Suzuki. Okay, yep. So that was the decision. That's the reason I went where I went because yep. of that. And I, your bikes were pretty good in 10, My right? bike was really good. Yeah. We were. We didn't get the new model that year. Like, the new Suzuki Phil Injected came out. But remember, there wasn't really very many in the U.S., and they were hard to get. And really, Stroop was the only one-on-one racing. Well, he was factory. Yeah. So yeah. we were on the older, still carbureted one. And, um, yeah, the bike was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, team was good. Um, I got along really good with Bill, still to this day. Um, and we had some good results. I I went, I got second at Anaheim one, uh, or third at Anaheim one, yeah. second at Phoenix. Jake passed me with a lap and a half to go. Both of us came from behind. Oh, you would have won that one, huh? And he got me with a lap and a half to go. We had a good battle that whole race. And then the next weekend in the heat race, I got landed on, and then that was. That season. Yeah. Brought it back in Salt Lake, though. So w- what happened when you got landed on? That was Nicoletti? Nicoletti. Nicoletti. So it was a rhythm lane. And it was it was like a you went two, I think two, three, two maybe. And I remember Josh was in front of me, and I didn't think he was going to go for it. And it was like one of those where it was like you had to you commit. Had to commit yeah. It wasn't one of those like last minute like, okay, I'm not going to. So I doubled, and I didn't triple when Nicoletti tripled. And as I was coming up, he... I remember that one. And it, oh, I remember that it crash. Spun it me, spun the bike out from yeah, under Yeah, and I landed, like, ass-planted on the jump on my back and stuff. So what did you hurt in that? Somehow I didn't break anything. I just had some internal bruising, and I bruised both my hip joints really bad. Okay. I mean, dude, I remember for... When I got home from the hospital that night, my wife brought the office chair out to the garage and I sat in that, and then she pushed me in the house on that because I, like, it hurt so bad to even walk. Uh. And so that season, that was the end of that season. And then I started riding a little bit. And I, and I think it was maybe Moss was on Factory Suzuki. And he got hurt. So I got a call to go race some 450 races. And so I, looking at it now, even looking at it then afterwards, it was a stupid decision. I wasn't fit enough. I wasn't ready. Like I was just coming back from an injury. But you hate to turn down an opportunity to, to go ride a factory, factory 450 yeah. and i was like ah, i'll go for it and just i first race i did was daytona <laughs> it's a good one to come back <laughs> um, if you're going to come into something out of shape on a bigger bike than you've ever it was just 10th yeah it wasn't bad like tenth? yeah, yeah that's that was great. With, that was with crashing wow uh, well that's pretty good then yep yeah so i was like and then from there toronto i ended up against the bleachers 23 i thought there was only 22 gates 
dude, it was. <laughs> well, we do, our pages are going up, not yeah. down. Like it could be your. Oh well, you I right. missed did that number. Yeah, that one was rough. Arlington <clears throat> endowed my brains out, and then I called it after that. Okay. And then back. And then came back to the 250 class in Seattle. Finished her out with a 5.49. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Man, it was frustrating. Not where I wanted, not where I started the season, not where I expected myself to be. But Okay. Yeah. And, then, and then not many nationals here. You just got a couple. Yeah. Did you get hurt again that year? Or what um, at Texas, I overjumped the finish line in practice and blew my hand off and do cartwheeled massive. And I ended up getting a avulsion fracture on my thumb where you pull the ligament off. Mm. So that was it. Had thumb surgery, and that was my year. That's your summer. That was my summer. Jeez, man. All right. So that you 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 enjoyed that team though, right? Like you and Bill were getting along. Bike was good. Yep. Mitch was still helping a lot. Yep. Mitch was. Did you sign a two-year deal with him, or just one at a time? Um, it was one, but then I re-signed. Okay. At the end of the year. Um, that was maybe one of the only times I was mad at Bill. Oh yeah. Why you screwed you on money? No. Oh. Um, I had heard, like, obviously, you know, in our sport, there's no secrets. Like, everything gets out. Yeah. There's always a little truth to every rumor. Yeah. And uh, I remember going into the office with my contract, and I said, I'm not signing this if you're not the team manager, because I heard he was leaving. I'm I'm staying. I said, you're not leaving. No, I'm here for the year. Like, then I didn't think anything of it. Signed the deal, got it done, beginning of the year, get called in for a meeting, and Bill's leaving. Bill's leaving. Where'd he go? Uh, I think Did he, he come here, here to TLU? Yeah, okay. and then that's when Dave Gowan came in. Okay. And Bobby Hewitt. Uh, Bobby Hewitt was the owner already. He's been the owner from the beginning, even when it was oh, Cowie. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, but so Dave Bobby Gowan's was awesome, right? Like that was, yeah, at that point, I didn't know him. Okay. At that point, I had an awesome relationship with my manager I had. We were going yeah. to dinner before the races yeah. and like had a, a really good thing going. So at the time, I was, I was frustrated. Mm-hmm. Um. But it still ended up being fine. Like the team, everything was good. Everything continued on. Bill would always still check on me and, and everything. So um, that year was the same. I mean, we were on a new bike. We had Suzuki support. Um, but coming into the first round the week before, it was raining a lot that year. And I went and rode Jared Brown Supercross track out in Hemet. And endoed and knocked myself out the Tuesday before Anaheim. Awesome. And wanted to um, switch coast, but it wasn't an option. And so I raced Anaheim one. Not knowing where you were. <laughs> like You're still I, mem- busy. I remember like lap five in the main event, just stars, just oh. not even like. I, but at that point, there was nothing I could do. I don't. I think I ended up eighth or seventh or something. Well, yeah, it looks like sixth at A one. Or sixth, yeah. And then uh, third at Phoenix. Yeah, so I went. Third at L.A. Didn't ride all week. Just went to Phoenix. Got third somehow. Same thing, didn't ride at all. Went to L.A., got third. And it's everything started getting a, a little better. Um, and then I had a crash at the test track where I ended up re-injuring my hip that I had broke when I was younger. Mm. And ended up tearing the labrum in it and a few other things. But I was... I was still decent enough in points to where I could get third in the title. And so I was like, I just like, I wanted to move out of that class anyways. And that was, then was, if you had three years of a certain amount of points, you were out. It wasn't consecutive. 
Okay, yeah. So oh. at that point, I didn't really care. I said, okay, I have a top three championship. Like, I'm going to go for it. I want to be done with this class anyways. So I just continued the, the year with what I, what I had and did the best I could, and, and that was kind of the season. Okay. So I went and had hip surgery after Vegas. And uh, we did some nationals here, right? 2011? Um, towards the end, I came back. Unadilla, Southwick, Steel City, yeah. Paula. So I came back after my hip surgery. Um, wife was, Hannah was pregnant with crew. And so I came back. Unadilla was good. Uh, Southwick. Still uh, not good to you. No, DNF. <laughs> I think first moto I was maybe ninth, and then I DNF the second moto. Um, and then Steel City, not so. I don't remember what happened. I would just probably rode sixteenth, yeah, about where I belong. <laughs> <laughs> Paula, uh, first moto. Actually, <laughs> my son was born Thursday night before Paula. Oh yeah. So I spent the night in the hospital with them Thursday, and then we got to come home Friday, and so I slept in my own bed Friday night. Raced Saturday. First moto, I think I got tenth, maybe did decent. And then second moto off the drop-off on the opening lap got cross-jumped and cartwheeled my brains out and bars were bent. So I just rode back to the truck, got undressed, drove home, and I watched the second 450 moto from my couch <laughs> from your holding couch. my son. <laughs> that uh, track was gnarly that year. I think I think actually Paul is gnarly every year. I think it yeah. is, man. That's it's when they had that massive, like the rollers with the massive thing that Dean was jumping off, off the top. Yep. Yep. So sketchy. Yeah. So high speed if that thing went sideways on And those you. two massive um, doubles yeah. on the finish, finish line, basically, yeah. into the sun, yeah. the second motors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All rutted out. Yeah. Yeah, that, that place is – that's like everybody hates Glen Helen, at least back in the day when, like, oh, I don't like Glen Helen for the National. I thought, always thought it was awesome for the National. But to me, riding Paula at a – that's like – what I envision people thinking of hating Glen Helen. <laughs> I don't like Paula. Yeah. Uh, I thought Paula was good this year. I didn't think it was. Well, I don't know. I didn't ride this year. No, I'm just I know, but we watching. When I rode it. Like, I thought they made the track melt. Like, it wasn't crazy like it's been in didn't the past. Didn't get too. The, the dirt is so soft and so silty. It gets gnarly on its own. You don't have to. I think they tried to make too many obstacles. And then when you add in what happens with the dirt, it's like, whoa. We're, we're like way over the top here. <laughs> I don't know that that year because I can remember eleven. That's when you came down the deal where AC fell this year and you had that yeah, big double. Yeah, so that's when I, I overshot it and I my, that's when my hand blew off when I was right behind Dunn. And the track was just and it's narrow. It's long this way and narrow this way. Yeah. So like I feel like the the way they have to lay the track out it makes it it makes it worse because everybody's you can't eventually get out of the rough line. Yeah. Mm. I think they had the... There's they, always a couple straightaways that are like half a mile long. They had that hip jump at the top of the hill, too, that was super one line. Yeah. Like, you couldn't... If you were next to someone, you're like, okay, who's going to, like... Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. one of us is going to let off? Because we can't <laughs> jump it side by side. Yeah, that's always a good feature to have on a track. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you can only go one wide. It's like a ring of death. Um, were you feeling pressure to get off the out of the 250 class or lights class, whatever they were calling it at that point? Or was it just personally, like, man, I'm done with this? No, nah, it was more of a personal thing. Did you did you talk to 450 teams and see, like, test the waters of what was available out there? Um, A little bit, yeah. Um, at the time, we, we – they actually had a 450 ride at oh, the team that okay. I was at at that point. So I thought maybe – You were uh, kind of thinking stay I here. I was hoping to like stay there and, and do that. Um, but then the, the, the team had changed the following year and only went lights only. Hmm. Um. 
Just, it was different in my time where, like, y- you couldn't get a 250 ride unless you won the 125 title, one or the other. Mm-hmm. Like, that was the only way you got a ride. And if you moved up, there was no B ride. or support. You were either full privateer or you got the factory gig. And I was always like, well, man, I, I know the difference between what a privateer bike is and a factory bike, and it's yeah, it's a loser. You know, well, I'm, I'm not going to. It's a good thing there's a lot more manufacturers today. Yeah. Well, there's way more rides. You know, there's more decent teams. Well, Even well, like that's a. What I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. You have, yeah. Now, I mean, currently, which you have, it was KT, it was KTM. Now it's KTM Husky and Gas yeah. Gas, and those teams are having two to four riders. Yeah. So now there's a lot more seats. There's way more seats now. Yeah. And I don't know, like how how good a twisted T450 is. Like I don't know. Yeah. That. But but, it, I also but at least they would help you. You know, you would have decent equipment and a team that there to kind of support you right like other than you and a box fan and your buddy i think it's better for sure yeah. for, like i think the stuff that the if you want to call privateer or whatever i think the stuff they get now is a lot better than than it was yeah. then you couldn't get a kit suspension then like no. you could get good suspension now with how the homologation rule works like you can get a you you it's physically has to be available yeah is if you want to go find it or pay for it I mean, look at the, the... Well, that's the whole thing with the homologation rule. Everything can only cost so much. Right. They, it keeps the, a cap on the cost. Back then, the best 250 satellite team ride was Moto XXX. And they had Phil Lawrence and Swink. And, I mean, they had Kyle Lewis. They had good riders because that was the only... If you weren't on a factory team, that was it. Yeah. And then eventually Nolene and some of these other ones came along. But, <laughs> yeah, it was all or nothing back then. Yeah. Um, all right, well, I want to get into your uh, kind of moving from there forward, but we're going to take a quick break. Stay tuned. This is your TLD timeout. We'll be right, right back with more Ryan Morris. Dunlop. There is a reason every AMA championship in the past decade was won on Dunlop tires. They are the best. Choose the best performing tire and brand that has never wavered in their support of our sport. Choose Dunlop. Pro Circuit. Pro Circuit products are designed with one goal in mind, winning. Through passion and hard work, Pro Circuit has operated the most successful 250 team in the history of the sport. They use that same formula when developing exhaust, engine, and suspension parts for every brand. When only the highest level of performance is acceptable, trust Pro Circuit. Since 2009, Seat Concepts has been dedicated to making the best aftermarket seats. More comfort, more grip, more riding. For 10 years, we've continued to raise the bar. Innovation and American craftsmanship make Seat Concepts the world-leading manufacturer of power sports seats. Something from nothing. That's what Nihilo Concepts is about. It starts with a spark, an idea, a concept, which leads to a design and finishes with engineered excellence with the highest quality products created with durability in mind. 
All our products are made in the USA at our state-of-the-art facility in Stewart, Florida. Whether you are a weekend warrior, ride for fun, or at the highest level of competition, Nahilo Concepts offers innovative titanium, aluminum, and carbon fiber parts for your dirt bike. We offer a wide variety of products that you can customize to your liking. Browse our site for foot pegs, brake tips, engine components, specialty tools, frame grip tape, lever grips, carbon fiber components, motor stands, our secondary on-switch, plus much more. Head to NahiloConcepts.com and see for yourself why factory teams like Red Bull KTM, Rockstar Husqvarna, Troy Lee Designs Gas Gas, Orange Brigade, Club MX, KLM Gas Gas, and some of the fastest riders in the world choose Nahilo Concepts. Specialized Bicycles. Specialized leads the way in the world of bicycling. Whether it's cross-country racing, downhill, e-bikes, enduro, road, gravel, dual solemn, dirt jumping, or all mountain bikes that do it all. Specialized has the perfect ride for you. The brand is synonymous with engineering excellence and innovation that steers the industry. Visit your local Specialized dealer for a test ride and see just how good Specialized products are. Ogeo Power Sports. Ogeo has perfected the carrying case, motocross gear bags, helmet bags, boot bags, hydration packs, backpacks, and travel bags, to name a few, have all been meticulously engineered to maximize space and surpass durability standards that would make NASA proud. Simply the best. Ogeo Power Sports. intercom on to be able to hear what they talk about and how fast they go, throttle control, braking, really cool. Extend your leg out, there you go. Good job, good throttle control, Lonnie. That's a great training tool. It was a lot of fun to be on the track with them. Hey, Lano. What? Can you pull off, pull off over here when you get to me and your brother? Okay. With a rich history in motocross, ProX has been dedicated to supplying quality components since 1975. Whether you're rebuilding an engine or just need a new chain, ProX Racing Parts aims to bridge the gap between OE quality and affordability. ProX has over 9,000 part numbers and over 60 different product types that are manufactured by highly reputable or even OEM suppliers and are offered at affordable prices to help keep riders on the bike instead of in the garage. Visit ProX.com to search parts for your bike or check them out at your favorite online or local dealer. The guys are just breaking in their race bikes, which will leave on the semi this Saturday to go to the first Supercross for our coast in Orlando. Uh, so the guys are just be goofing off a little bit, do some cool photos, do some cool videos. When you go racing, you want to do well, but a big key is keeping the bikes on the track. That's why we chose to work with Motul. Expectations coming in as a rookie is just to try and get my feet wet and uh, honestly just send it, see where I end up and uh, do my best out there, but just ride aggressive and ride like myself in practice and I uh, should have a good time. Challenges of this sport I believe is just simply staying healthy. Uh, with how fast we're going um, and what we're doing, your margin for mistake is really, really small. 
If you have little rippers, you have had to have seen Stay Sick Bikes by now. We have created bikes and experiences that allow kids to develop sooner and empower them to define their own ride. From learning to ride to sharpening skills, the Stay Sick promise is accelerated growth. Whatever path your family chooses, it's going to be the ride of your life. Stay Sick Stability Cycles. I'm on vacation every single day because I love my occupation. Hey, I'm on vacation. If you don't like your life, then you should go and change it. All right, guys, welcome back. That was your Troily Designs timeout. Be sure to get over to TroilyDesigns.com. Look at everything they've got going on. Their latest offering is the Scout Off-Road Gear. Uh, you can see it sitting over here behind us. They've got two different models there, the Speed Equipment and the GP. Uh, just different price points, but both of them offering a really cool uh, bunch of features for off-road riding. So if that's what you're into, check that out. Also, the paint department's cranking. They got the mountain bike stuff, all the new moto line coming out. Uh, so get over there and see what they got going on. Um, Mo, jumping back into your stuff. So tell me, as you came out of that last year, how you got, you, you decided to go to the 450. You were pointed out then at that point. Yes, I pointed out. How did it get uh, put together with Valley Yamaha, right? Yeah, so I had been talking to... Bobby Reagan a little bit and then that was when the star racing and Valley merged into one team okay so there was always the Valley team and I think maybe Nick was on it the year yeah. before and then there was the star racing 250 team and they were gonna combine their effort to make a better team okay and so I ended up uh doing a deal with them to ride the Yamaha 450 the for the 2012 season there. okay and tell me about that transition off season, getting onto the 450 test tracks. How, how did you feel? Did you think? Did you feel good? Were you comfortable yeah, on the I 450 mean, right away? It, it took some work. I felt like we. I honestly felt like we had the bike at a good point. I mean, we had made. We worked on it a lot. We made a lot of changes, and the team put a lot of effort into everything we did. I mean, we had. I know we had rotated the engine at, at a certain point to get the weight difference. We were lowering the radiators. Because that would have been the second year, right? Uh, I think Ten was the year. first year of the when they when they swapped of the, the reverse engine. Yeah. yeah. Right. So then eleven, right? Eleven. Eleven would have been the second. So t maybe third year, twelve. Okay. So still pretty new. Yeah, still really new. So we were messing with a lot of stuff. Like I said, rotating the engine, lowering the radiators. We shortened the forks to get more weight to the front. Like just a, a lot. We were doing a lot. And I I honestly felt like the bike was at a good spot going into the season. Um, it was just the thing was fucking fast. Yeah. Like. Yeah. There's there's such a thing as too fast in that class. Yeah. And I remember every time we tried slowing it down, they were always trying to do it like electronic wise and mm. it would never run good mm. like it always it'd make it run weird so i would always just go back to where it ran the best but it was always like easy to get away from you and <laughs> i hurry. rode nick's once at my place and it was fast <laughs> dude really you thought the same thing like man this is yeah and it just hit really hard and also and if you thought my bike was kind of low in the rear it was kind of low in the rear too yeah mine we had done a lot of we had rotated a lot of the weight to the front um so I remember going, I remember being like, I, I think I'm good. Like I'd rode with Shorty a couple of times and I kind of knew where I was. And I was like, I should be f like, I should be around. My goal was top 10. And I was like, I should be consistently be yeah. top 10. Uh, what, what was the toughest thing 
uh, making that switch. And I'll ask you the same question, you know, like when you get off the two video and move up, what's the hardest thing to adapt to or adjust to? Um, for me on Supercross, and I think part of the reason was because the bike was so damn fast, my time, it took me a little bit to get timing. Like 250, you kind of hit everything like fast. Yeah. Full throttle kind of yeah. adjust your scrub or your lift. Yeah. Right? To where this thing in the middle rhythm lanes, I'm like going quarter throttle, like <laughs> Yeah. trying to manage my speed like it's way too easy to get going too fast and the same with whoops like 250 you come in and you hit those things and you're gonna have what you have to where this thing like it would pick up and take off and that took me a little bit to get used to mm. i find that even on a 450 at local outdoor tracks if there's a jump i'm like i'm more worried about going too far than casing you know so I need to follow somebody because I don't want to <laughs> jump 80 feet past I, it. I like enough. to follow people. So Yeah. What <laughs> about you? Person. I don't know. Like, I, I think um, for me, like, and in, in, in a lot of these younger guys coming up, moving up, they underestimate the, just the motorcycle itself. It's way more weight. And they're like, oh, it's almost the same thing. We're going to move up there. It's not. When you go actually try to race it and throw it around, it's heavier. It's way faster. Yeah. Um, I think things have come a long way from what he's talking about now with like, you know, yeah, electronics were pretty new back then, the fuel injection stuff, like all those things were very, very new. So now it's like we can slow it down with with the electronics now and it makes and everything's and it's fine. still runs yeah. clean yeah yeah so but i just think as a as a lights guy coming up it's you just underestimate the the motorcycle and then also the series right you go from racing half the series and then you're racing all of it going right in and and you know i think that the 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 racers they don't they race you harder but just different too they're just more mature and yeah, Everybody's got you got to learn. It, yeah. it, it's a, I can't come and tell this kid like, hey, this is what you're gonna see. This is how you learn it. This is how you do it. It takes time and age, you know, to an experience to learn. Yes, I we could go mentor somebody or do for sure, and you can help them be better. But ultimately, like, it just takes that time, a couple seasons under their belt, and mm -hmm. then you can kind of see, okay, then things start to click. Yeah. Do, do you find it, like, one thing for me, kind of like what Bones was talking about, where he could, at the test track, you'd ride the bike lower RPM. But then when you get into a race situation, you just fall back into what you're used to, which yeah. is riding the shit out of it. On a 450, at the test track, or even in practice, you might be like, okay, you know, you, you have to, you can't override it, right? Because it will spit you off. But you get into a race situation and you get worked up and then all of a sudden you're riding it too hard. And I mean, I think that's the thing. I think the way you go and race your motorcycle on the weekends is the way you have to ride it during the week. If not, you're going to have too much of a gap. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get into that situation and it's going to spit you off because you don't do it during the week. Mm -hmm. And then the fitness side of it, obviously. Yeah, you ride around harder. 80%. You can't ride around 80% of no. the races. Yeah. You're at 110 even yeah. everybody's like, oh, yeah, you go way harder when you're like, or, you know, maybe I'll just go up a little bit. No, your heart rate's up. Your heart rate's sitting on the line with no bikes on at 140, just at idle. Yeah. You are. Yeah. <laughs> that's crazy, right? I think that's something about uh, our sport that doesn't, doesn't, other people don't understand is, I don't know, maybe before, you think before a basketball game, those guys' heart rate's elevated? I don't think so. An NBA game? I, I personally don't think so either. That's just me. I, I don't think they have the risk of knowing. Okay, if well, I, I if I mess up, I think they have a team and, member to like. Hey, well, if I'm out of breath or I, I'm going to throw you past you the ball, like yeah, there's there's some, but there's a whole team to rely on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, anyway, our sport's brutal. All right, so take us through how this went going into twelve. So I, f I felt like off season went really good. 
Um, had a lot of testing, had a lot of bike, uh, a lot of time on the bike. Um, the team was, was solid, honestly, and uh, had a good group of people around me. And went to Anaheim 1. Um, I think I maybe got fifth in the heat. And in the main event, we were having problems that night with the bike because it was so cold that it wouldn't run correctly. Like it was running kind of weird. And I ended up stalling it, I think twice in the main event, just like going in the corner and it, blah, blah, it would just gurgle out. Mm. And so they looked at all the data afterwards. That was kind of like data was kind of new and we're kind of learning stuff. And it would, the temperatures were like so low on it that it wasn't even getting to like the correct temperature that it operating like a run. Temp. Yeah. Operating temp. Um, so did some work. I, I only rode, I think if I remember right once that week and I ended up getting the flu and was sick at Phoenix going in, but we had figured some things out Phoenix. We didn't have the problem because it was a closed stadium. So the temperature was good and stuff like that. Um, I remember I crashed in the heat and then the LCQ, I went to pass the guy for the lead two corners in and his leg went in my back wheel and I sucked it in. And so we were stuck together. So I didn't qualify that night. Did some more work the following week, went to LA bike was running good. We figured out if we blocked off half the radiator with some cardboard, we could get temperature. up. No way. You guys were doing that. Yeah. So that way we could have the temperature correct at the running temp. So that's what we were doing to make it run. (laughs) Tricks of the trade folks. (laughs) Very, very high tech. So (laughs) stuff some cardboard in there. So we would, they would just paint some cardboard black, put it behind the louver, block some wind. And then I can, it would run at the correct temperature. That's funny. Um, I think I got fourth in my heat that night and, um, unfortunately don't really remember much after yeah that. so so this uh, we're, we're gonna show the clip it's it's brutal uh when i sent this to my producer he was like holy shit he had never seen it um obviously a, a horrible crash with you and trey he yep. caught a tough block couldn't triple you were committed and this is one of those things where it's like man why did they put a triple that close to the start and i think this at least got it on their radar about where they put obstacles off the start correct um you came down right on top of him, and it was just ugly for both of you guys. Yeah. So you don't remember. What's kind of – what do you remember from that day? Um, I can remember – I remember the day. Like, I remember feeling decent in practice. I remember the heat race, getting a good start, and, and battling. And, and I f- vaguely remember a little bit of watching the heat race in the semi. And then after that, I don't remember anything for six weeks. Six weeks? I don't remember being in the hospital. I don't remember having my face surgeries. I don't remember any of that stuff. Nothing. I just remember just all of a sudden kind of in and out being home. And then everything kind of slowly comes together. So what what all did you break and injure in that? So I ended up breaking both sockets in my jaw, compounding my jaw down the middle too. So I had my my jaw wired (laughs) and plated back together, uh, fractured some vertebrae in my back and neck and broke some bones in my hand and brain injury yeah and i was they said i guess supposedly i was unconscious like just not really responding for like between 10 and 15 minutes yeah and that's a that's a massive brain injury yeah i mean in paramedicine so so when they brought you in i mean obviously you don't remember but what they say internally with your head did they um because i i never heard i mean i for me, I don't remember, like, the first doctor visits of going to the neurologist and, and doing all that stuff. I remember, I know I was at L.A. County, 
Um, and my wife obviously is, she was a nurse at the time. We just had my son. My son was born in September. So he was what, four months old. Mm. So she was <laughs> driving back and forth between Marietta and LA, going home, breastfeeding, take care of the kid at night, Poor Hannah. drive up, Jeez. take care of me during the day. Eventually, um, her and Ryman worked together and they got some paperwork signed and got me out of there and brought me back down here. And got me into some neurologists. County so. hospitals aren't great. It's kind of yeah. that's typically where you go if you don't have insurance, or yeah. they'll send prisoners there from the county jail systems. Yeah, so just in was, general, they're not the best. Yeah, so it was. It was. I mean, in a way, thankfully, I don't remember any of it. Um, but there was definitely a lot going on at that point for her. She was <laughs> supposed to go back to work that week, starting back nursing. She had to quit her job to take care of. My situation, and then uh, they wouldn't give her a leave or anything. I mean, no, she was just uh, she had used everything up because she just got done with her maternity leave with our son. She was just getting back, like she was supposed to go back then. Um, so they got me out of there, got me into some specialists down here. Um, I don't remember the neurologist's name, but I remember my face surgery doctor, Pulsifer. Um, whatever they did to me up there was jacked up so i had to have my face all redone okay. so i had it redone down here at loma linda and um so he plated it and did some other stuff and and then from there it was just kind of a, a waiting game um i think part of the reason that i don't remember a lot of this stuff is because of everything they had me on also oh yeah because with my brain with my brain injury i had i couldn't control she said i would be like mellow like super pissed off crying like your emotions yeah just and she said like i would just walk our son like i said it was four months at the time i would just walk by him like not even acknowledge that he was there just hmm. so they had me they got me on some medications and at that point i was on she said i was on painkillers muscle relaxers sleeping pills mood stabilizer sedatives probably to like, yeah, like yeah. just anything you can take that gave and you. i think that's the reason it's so blurry for me those six weeks is because i think they had me on so much stuff that i was just not there um and the reason they put me on sleeping pills because with my head injury i wasn't sleeping i would only maybe sleep two hours a night and i would just really walk around i guess that's scary, man. And you got a new kid, you know, new yeah. baby in the house. Like, So eventually, like, once everything started coming together and kind of started come out of the fog, come out of the fog and slowly coming off some of the medications and everything started clearing up, um, she got me an iPad at the time and got me some apps on there for, like, for brain training. So I had to do, like, some stuff like that just to help kind of like that tracked my progress and mm -hmm. memory stuff and stuff like that. So I did that for a long time and it actually made big diff, like that helped me quite a bit. And then, um, eventually started, I guess, being normal <laughs> after a little bit. And, and then I got where I was solid and was sleeping and my moods were good and everything. I was still on, the mood stabilizer at that point, everything else I was off of, I wasn't on the sleeping pills and none of that stuff anymore. I got off all that stuff. It, it took a while. Mm -hmm. um, and then 
started, I got invited to go out to the track. Um, Swanepoel actually asked me to come out and help him. Like, hey, will you come out and help me? Because Swanee was on the team for the 250 class. So I think Hannah took me up there, and I went to the track. And then that kind of, that for me, I think, was like my turning point. Like, oh, it's nice to be out. Like, I want to kind of start doing stuff. And, and then I went to my, I went to the track a couple more times with them. And then I had a neurologist appointment, and they released me to start driving finally. So then I started driving to the track maybe a couple times a week. I'd go out there and work with the guys and just kind of like was doing my part like the best I could to get out. And just at that point, I was starting to feel more normal. Um, Then went in. I had to have another surgery to have my jaw undone. It was still wired shut at that point? Yeah, I was wired shut for three months. So just straight smooth. What was the hardest thing that you remember about it? Like – Dude, I mean, having that, having, I mean, the, it sucked. Like I would eat just enough to make my stomach stop, stop hurting. growling. Yeah. That was literally the only reason other than that. It wasn't like killer weight loss program. Yeah. I think I was <laughs> 130 pounds by the time it was done. <laughs> like Hannah Jeez. was crushing it. She was trying to do every, like she was making, she would do for dinner. Like she would grind, she would smoothie up asparagus and sweet potatoes and maybe something else like she would she tried really hard to make yeah. it like yeah at least somewhat decent like mix things up that would be hard it was not easy my dad had to have his jaw wired shut for he had just something off and i don't remember how long it was but we ordered pizza one night <laughs> and he's like oh my god pizza sounds so good you know and so we put it in a blender <laughs> mushed it up and he tried to eat, drink pizza I'd, yeah. Hannah, <laughs> Hannah tried doing Chipotle for me one day. Yeah. <laughs> just to get the flavor. Just get uh, it to anything that, like I remember anything <laughs> that had any any substance to it, like even the strawberries. I couldn't do strawberries because of the seeds stuck. that had stuck in yeah. my teeth and clog it. Uh, so like it literally had to be like water. Really? Yeah. I'll tell you this. I uh I'm sure they were brutal, but like the surgeries must have, they must have done a good job though. Cause like a lot of times when you damage your jaw, there's so many yeah. nerves and stuff. Your eye, you know, it can affect your, the way your eyes will blink yeah. or look, or it'll affect your, you have a little facial droop. You don't, uh, you don't have any of that stuff. Well, thanks. Appreciate it. You're a handsome bastard. You said it, still. It, it, did it come out? Yeah. It compounded out the front. Well, see, you can't even tell. Um, but like for me, I can't feel here. Oh, it's numb. So Hannah, like I'll be eating dinner or something. She'll be like, <laughs> <laughs> you get crap all over your face. Yeah, if that's the worst of it, dude. Yeah, that's, but that's he easy. did. So Pulsifer did everything from the inside. So like he cut everything from the inside and did it that oh, way. Oh, okay. So, but you, but you said it did come out like it compounded. Yeah, yeah. But you can't even see that. So did you hit your bars? Like what? What did I that? Th- do you think? I. Or do you I think th- you went face first in and it just grenaded? I did it blow the front of your helmet up? Did y- it, it break the chin bars? I mean, it was still there, but crushed. I mean, the helmet only can do so much. No, I know, but point. did it actually break the... Yeah. Yeah, it broke yeah, yeah. So You know what is scary? Like, if you ground. just put your helmet on, I don't care what helmet, and you push hard enough, it, it hits your face. Like, oh, you know what yeah, I mean? yeah, 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 yeah. So you go in face first at yeah. speed. I know there's a chin bar there, and it's better than nothing, yeah. but it's still coming in. I'm not, sh- like, from, I'm not sure. I don't know if it was from the first impact or the second one, because, like, yeah, you did there's hit the, the bars, clip though. of with me and Trey where I'm, when I'm landing on them and my face is against the bars already. So yeah. I don't know if the bars came up oh. under and got me then or what, but yeah. So that, that year was a long, 
long process and <laughs> I mean there's no way I would have made it without the support I had from just the, my wife and family and yeah. just everything that was going on with our son and we my wife had her hands full I right was now. gonna say that would be the hardest dude part, it was you just know? a lot of shit going on between everything mm-hmm. <laughs> um I didn't like what what was I gonna do after that where was my career going was I gonna race again was I not like was I gonna be so Close he, to the same person I was before, yeah. or was I not? Like, there was just so much just that, That's another on. great point. I don't know if you guys have ever known anybody that's had a bad injury in their brain, but, like, it can change you. For You're sure. a completely different person sometimes, sure. depending on where the injury is. Yeah. My wife, like, she'll say, like, I was a different person for a while. Yeah. Like, and then, thankfully, everything worked that's out. That's crazy, man. I mean, still to this day, like, I still notice, like, I never used to have migraines, and I'll have a migraine maybe two or three times a year now to where it's, like, bad bad ones. Mm. Hmm. But, but, I mean. But you've had CT and everything looks good Yeah, now. so yeah. I had, like, I've done all, I did all my follow-ups, everything, and then I think I was on, I got off the mood stabilizers and got off all that stuff maybe after a year and a half, but it took me six months to get off them because with how those work, you can't just quit. Like you have to really slowly, wean off of you them. have to wean off of it. So I had to do the the correct process of slowly coming down off of all that stuff. And I, I remember the day going to my wife being like, I I think these are messing with me more than helping me anymore. So we went back, did some tests, did all the stuff. And he was like, Hey, you should be good. Hmm. And thankfully I was lucky enough to where I didn't have any seizures. Like I didn't have any of that stuff that comes along with head a head injury. Gnarly. Did you, so you were still like, in your head somewhere thinking, well, maybe I'll race again. Like, after all that. Yeah. Man. I mean, once. Uh, you idiot. Yeah. <laughs> once everything, and then, yeah, I mean, as a racer, it's just. We're dumb. Yeah. I mean, it's just built I in. Know, I know. Um, We're so, so stubborn, you know, like. Well, and as a racer, you don't want to go out like that either. Like, like that's your no, last for sure, race yeah. type, you know, thing either, probably. But you got a brand new baby, you know, like yep. at some point with all of us, you kind of step back and go, okay, is this much risk worth exactly the money I'm making or whatever? You yep. know what I mean? Like, no, for sure. You have to have that honest conversation with yourself. Yeah. And I, I mean, eventually I did. <laughs> and it helps when another opportunity comes along, right? Were you, did you, yeah. you jumped in with star after that? So, um, what was the next move? Once I like my face, I got unwired. I was able to start eating. I was getting more normal. I was back on my bicycle. Like I was doing everyday activities where I was feeling really good. I was going to the track with Swana Pool and some other guys helping them. And about halfway, eh, a little past halfway through the nationals, the team manager quit for the team. Bobby and um, had called me. So. Va- Valley and Star were that was the same thing that was at the one, time. Okay. It was one team. It was a massive team. I think it what was, was it called? It was just Star Valley. I don't remember it being called yeah. Star Valley. But it was our title sponsor was Rockstar. Yeah. But it was just Star Tickle Valley. Tickle was on that year, right? No. 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 Mm-mm. He would must have been So yeah. <clears throat> that year on the two fifty side it was Swanapool, uh Kyle Peters, Nico Izzy and Kyle Cunningham and then on the 450 side was me and Izzy and then when I got her uh Kanai refilled in so a little towards the end of outdoors the team manager quit so I got a call from 
Chad Lanza and Bobby, and they were like, hey, you want to try it out? Like, you want to finish the outdoors as team manager and see if it's something you like or if something you want to entertain? And I was like, man, why not? I might as well. I mean, I'm sitting at home, not doing anything. And they're like, if you do it, we'll we'll remove your injury clause and we'll move you back to normal. And I was like, yeah, deal. Like, I'm on my yeah. way. Like, <laughs> okay. tell me I'm when headed down. I got a collar shirt and everything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just kind of got thrown in and started from there. And um, I'm, <laughs> I think it – dude, I think it was either the f- first or second race, maybe second. Um, Nico didn't even show up. Sounds about right at that time. Like, I remember him calling me on Friday. Hey, man, my truck broke down. I'm not going to make my flight. I'm like, okay, I'll get you a different flight. Got him a different flight. Missed that one. Then just the normal thing. And then um, someone else ended up getting hurt that weekend. So then I ended up bringing Cole Thompson down from Canada. And he rode for us at Washougal. And, dude, we had, like, four lights guys. I think we had three 450 guys at the Jeez. time. Like, I was just, three like. Three in the deep end. Dude. And at that point, I was doing, I was doing the flights, the hotels, that like yeah. just straight in, just right out of the gate. And so I did that for that summer. And then at the end of the year, um, <laughs> I actually had offers to race or be team manager. So I was like, and the same thing from them. They're like, hey, if you want to race, you can still race for us. If you want to be team manager, you can be team manager. And I'm like, well, crap. Like I don't know which. Like I, I enjoy. It's, it's good to have options. Yeah, like I enjoyed doing it. It was fun. And at this point, I just started riding again. Like, I was just kind of, like, getting things back going. And so I just thought about it. Obviously, I had a lot of conversations with my wife at the time. We had my son. And it was just, for me, I just felt like it was time. Like, oh. like I just went through all this. My neurologist is telling me, like, dude, if you slap your head again like that, like, I don't know. And I think that's the the big thing, right? Like, as, as all racers, like, you have a – I wouldn't call yours – big i would call it extreme head injury like you know everybody that rides dirt bikes probably had a decent head injury you know like i would say i would yours is i would call it a super extreme yeah watching that you know so you know it's just looking back on it you have to weigh all that out and be like dude it could be the last time if you did it again and i think that outweighs everything especially with a little boy family like you know the whole thing it's like okay well we're fighters. We know how to work hard. You'll figure out another way. Yeah, exactly. So for me, I was just me and my wife talked about it a lot, and uh, honestly, an opportunity like that in in our sport doesn't come up very often. Yeah. To kind of make that transition to to that and side they're there forever. Yeah, and so I decided like, okay, yeah, like that's that's my decision. I'm I'm gonna do that, and so that's kind of when the I guess next chapter of everything happened for me do you do you like ryan said do you um feel like i don't know like something's missing because you ended your racing career on that like you um, want it you like you feel like you're missing some closure no not even okay. i mean i know the first I, I i'll admit it the first couple of years were tough like yeah. like i remember there was a couple rounds where i think i maybe even told the guys like dude i can go race and do better than you just did like <laughs> seriously yeah like it was frustrating but um it, it could be worse i mean you could have like ended your career by looping out down a straightaway in italy 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Ah. Like me, I know. That's oh, my good. last race. You, you can hit me with all your number one plates. No, though. this uh. chair's hurting my tailbone right now. <laughs> <laughs> I told you these chairs suck. <laughs> Uh, but so did I you think it's good to have like you moved into where you are today. I think if you would have, um, that would I wouldn't be where I am then, today if I didn't do what I did then. But also been able to be in the industry and 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 you know work your way up the ladder where you've done it. this and be in your position currently today. For I sure. think if you just okay so move back home and then lived a normal lifestyle, I think yeah. then you might look back and say, "Fuck, I should have done something different." Yeah. Yeah. But now you're, and that's what I did, you know, and I moved away for two years and then moved back. I'm like, hey, what's like all my friends, all my buddies, everybody that we grew up with, like, you know, pretty much grew up with, like, it just felt, it felt nice to be back in the industry. No, for sure. And for most of us, it's, it's. It's all we know. All we know. And it is family in a way. (laughs) And And I would say this too. Uh, There's two ways you, you stay in this industry. Either you win a buttload of championships (laughs) like this guy and you can kind of write your own ticket or you have to be a really nice guy. Because if you're burning people or, or like sure. alienating people on the way up, or while you're you know in, yeah. the, in here, you're not you're not going to get opportunities down the road. No, no, like I, it's a very small family, right? I agree. And yeah. I would say there's nobody in our entire sport that would talk badly about you. I don't know about that, but <laughs> well, maybe you know something I don't know. But I'm telling you, when we posted you were coming on the show, it was like, oh, he's the best. I love yeah. this guy. You know. So no, I think that says like a lot you say, about I you. I think man. it has a lot to do with obviously the same, not burning people, being respectful to everybody. But not only that, you got to. Sh- I think as a racer, you have to show responsibility also and mm-hmm. be able to handle your stuff. And, and unfortunately, I see a lot of people where it's just like they don't. I mean, a it's lot of the right. riders don't handle anything or mm-hmm. barely can do anything. Mm-hmm. And I think you need to be able to show you got you got to have both. Yeah. I mean, I agree. unfortunately, there's a lot of kids in our sport that don't finish school. Yeah. And uh, I don't think that's a good decision. I finished high school. Um, Shorty actually did it with going to school. Like, I did an independent study program where I went into the school once a week, took the test on the work I did, made sure I did it. Like, that's how that was how my program was. And, um, I mean, I even did this, like, that's the rule in our house with my son. Like, he's riding and he wants to race. And so we've done a couple of races or whatever. But we tell them like school's number one. If your grades aren't there, then it's not, Yeah, you're not going. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. Colt Nichols just, did, he did it right. He went through all the way through school. Right? No, uh, not Colt. Um, the other star. Oh, um, Cooper. Cooper. Co- yeah. Justin Cooper. Cooper did a year. Of yeah, yeah. Yeah. He went. Yeah. 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 That's it's cool. I, I like when people do that. I, I wish we'd bump our age I to 18. I think it, it, it also m- might make their career if they make it longer mm-hmm. i mean yeah y- you know like it's gonna make their long-term decisions better that that's <laughs> that that's the most important thing is regardless of how long your career is w- what decisions you make from the time you start till the time you're done with your money with what you buy well, right you're, you're going to be more mature and and more responsible for sure you throw hundreds of thousands of dollars at a 16 year old i don't care who you are you're going to make some bad decisions right so for sure what did you learn from that management position that kind of helps you still? Um, well, I would say, like, right away, I realized how much more there is to a team yeah. on the opposite side. You think, like, as a rider, you're like, well, I don't understand why you can't get this part. Why can't we do this? Or why can't I just do, like, yeah. dude, there's a lot to I it. I want this. Why can't I have it? Well, there's a lot to the program that yeah. a lot of people don't realize. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of pieces of the puzzle. There's a lot of people involved that it takes. I found, uh, well, one, Excel is really hard. 
<laughs> I don't know if you had to do any Excel spreadsheets. Yeah, still but, do. Bro, I, it was tough for me to get that under control. I'm not super techie. So Once like, you figure out the auto tally and equal sum and stuff like that, it makes life a lot easier. I know. I had zero training going in. They just went, here, this is, here's an Excel spreadsheet. You know, sort out the budget on this. And I was like, you know, typing it in. It's moving our animal. No, what am I doing? <laughs> um, but, you know, contracts and I'm on the phone all day, like calling people and like you were reservations and all this crap. It sucks. I didn't enjoy it at all. I enjoyed being at the races on the weekend, being in that tower and like working with the guys. But like. Monday through Friday. The week leading up to it is tough. <sighs> I didn't like it. So I knew right away, like, this is not for me long term. I got <laughs> you're not a paperwork guy. You're no. Still, you're not a paperwork no. guy. I, knew that I couldn't do it either, the paperwork side of it, I don't think. It's so not fun. <sighs> That's why you're a firefighter. I, 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 want, I, need, I need something to challenge me and, like, I need some outdoor activity. <laughs> I need some exercise. Excel didn't challenge you? Beep, boop, boop, beep, beep. It did up here. See, <laughs> yeah. we're a little slow up here. Yeah, I don't know, man. I just couldn't get into it. So, uh, all right, after that year, how did you get plugged into KTM? What happened there? Uh, so, yeah, so for 2013 season, I uh, was team manager uh, for the team. The team had split, so it was just Star Racing again. It wasn't Star Valley. We shrunk the team down to, I think we only had two riders that year, uh, one on each coast. And about, I would say, halfway through outdoors maybe um, was when when Casey contacted me, Lytle, and was um, just see if I was interested in coming over to the Red Bull KTM team to take his position as team coordinator. Mm. He was moving over to the R&D side, so he was going to be the R&D manager of North America, which he still is. So he oversees everything from development and all that over here on this side. And so I went in, had some meetings with him, Raj, and Ian. And everything went really good, and, and uh, they offered me the job. And at that point, it was like, do I stay with the smaller team that could just disappear at any moment? Which obviously not even close to happening <laughs> yeah. um, or do I go somewhere that's a big company and I can be an employee with benefits and just not have to travel well I traveled at this I was traveling oh you were going to all yeah, the rounds going to all the rounds oh, okay. everything all as far as the work side was going to be the same it was just for me I felt like a lot a more, more solid stable. future more stable with benefits and and just the insurance side with my family and just there was a lot of things that made a lot of sense for me because like at that point when I was racing, my insurance was through my wife's work. And when she had to resign because of everything, I had to go do some special insurance because I had pre-existing injuries. So I was, my insurance for me a month was like 1800 or two grand wow. a month just on me at that point because of everything I had going yeah. on and everything. So at that point, just the, the insurance side going from that to like, I think it, you know, was a massive change for yeah. me. That's a huge raise. Yeah. So... And just everything else that comes along with it. Well, and Star at the time, they were not like a premier team. No, they were very I much. I don't think a anybody would have, would say, "Hey, the program was solid." There was no Bobby does a great job. Like there was, it was never shaky, never nothing. Like yeah, we it wasn't what it is today, but it was a, a very solid program. But you wouldn't put them in the same category as as at the time Geico or Pro Circuit. No. You just wouldn't have. And what they've done is like. It's, imp it's impressive. For sure. Hats In off a short, to those guys. In a short time. Totally. I yeah. feel like. Yeah. So how was that transition over? So 
Yeah, so I took the. And you the don't you don't still go to all the races as a coordinator, do you? Mm, not currently. Okay. No. Um, so when I first went there, I was team coordinator, um, going to all the races, and um, one of my main priorities at the races was to do video like uh, dart fish stuff. So I learned how to do dart fish and overlays and and all that stuff. So on the weekends, that was my job to go over video and talk with the riders about lines and stuff like that. And then during the week was paperwork as far as Excel sheets, rider results, bonuses, expenses. Oh, my gosh. I mean, uh, all that side of the stuff I was taking. I, I take care of all that side of the stuff. Um, and then maybe middle of Supercross season where we're getting ready to do some outdoor testing. And they asked me, like, hey, you want to – we need to go ride a bike. You want to come ride it? Like, yeah, sure, why not? Like, at this point, I wasn't – I had a stock bike that I rode once in a while. Like, wasn't doing any testing, nothing. So went out, broke in a bike, did some tests, and they're like, well, okay. And then, like, a couple weeks later, hey, you want to try something else? And then it just – Snowballed. Snowballed into what eventually turned into being the full race team test rider now with also being team coordinator. Do you get paid extra on top of that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's – I feel like that's something you should be – negotiating um yeah i mean they take they they've been awesome to me over there they're it's a great company to be at and super thankful for everything and and obviously the choice that i made going there was for me the right choice yeah and i don't i i enjoy every day it's it's a little the thing for me and i think probably for all of us the biggest thing for me not every day is the same so it's like maybe one day i'm in the office all day doing computer stuff but then the next day i'm at the track or so it's not that breaks it up, man. It makes it so It nice. makes a massive yeah. difference for yeah, me. Yeah, we're not cubicle people. Can yeah. you imagine just nine to five every day, well, I mean, Monday I'd, to Friday, you had to stare at a computer. I, I did that for the first six months there. It's brutal. Were you like, I've made a huge mistake? No, because, I mean, I was kind of doing the same thing already at, at Star. Yeah. I mean, at yeah. Star, I was riding and doing some development stuff here and there, but I still wasn't riding a whole lot. I mean, if, like... I didn't like to ride that much when I was at Star because I had so much other stuff to do that if I rode that day, that means I was going to be up till midnight or one in the morning taking care of emails or flights or hotels or whatever it was that I still needed to do. Um, So for me, it was a a big change and for my family and everything, it was just a lot better. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, so it eventually just kind of snowballed into being full race team test rider. And still doing the team coordinator side and going to the races every weekend. And then eventually I started doing some production testing with Sleater. And, yeah, so it's – Yeah, I was going to say, I've seen you out doing pre-pro stuff, so I know you're doing that too. Yeah, I mean, at, there was a there was a few years ago I was doing fly to the Supercross race, fly to Austria, test all week, <laughs> fly to the next race, fly back to Austria. Like, I was – yeah. I mean, all over the place, which for me, I, I enjoyed it. Like, yeah. it was tough being away from my family, but it was just the experience of everything that I was, that I never thought I'd be able yeah. to do. Like, I'm going to Europe, having fun. And you're writing your resume, up. man. I mean, you're you're making relationships that are Making gonna, relationships yeah. with the R&D guys on that side and, and the bosses over there and just riding tracks that I never thought I'd be able to ride and just enjoying it. And I've learned a lot from it. Not only that, learning stuff there. And sometimes I would learn some stuff on the bike there that I would bring the parts with me to the race the next weekend. Oh, is that right? And just kind of stuff. I mean, yeah. it's something that's really, like, it's really cool the, that way we kind of do stuff on our company, I feel like. It's really, it's really a big open book from the R&D to the racing side. Everyone gets along. We 
we bounce ideas off of each other and yeah i think that's been a huge component to the success ktm's had is you know when we had mccarty on he talked about the these corporations like yamaha honda etc being these big snakes he goes and when the head moves it takes a long time until that tail for sure moves right where with ktm they're able to just go roger can call and go hey i need this part we're going to send ryan over to test it you fly over, like you said, you test it, you bring it right to the race the next weekend. I mean, they're, they're very mobile. They're yeah. able to adapt and move quickly. Um, and they're f all they sell, I mean, it's motorcycles is their world, right? Where with Yamaha, it's generators and pianos and, you know what I mean? Motorcycles is a tiny part of their yep. overall pie. So, well, I mean, now with three brands. Yeah. Right. Well, I hear you. But. A lot but, of those parts are similar. No, but I'm saying, like, it, to your point, like, the, it, motorcycles is their thing. It's their jam. Yeah. No, it's impressive. I, it's it's very impressive. I'm How old are both of you guys? 38. 32. And you both still ride Supercross, like, a lot and well. And I'm that surprises me. Like, I don't know how well. Well. Depends on the day. <laughs> or the track. <laughs> But yeah, I, yeah, I'm, yeah, we can get around. It's sketchy, dude. I quit when I was managing TLD. I had a couple of moments at a test track because I would ride with the guys once in a while. So that would have been 2010. So I'm, I would have been, uh, yeah, mid 30s. And I was like, what am I doing? It was like a moment. I went, I almost died right now, and I'm not. I, getting I just paid don't to like do to learn the combinations. You know, if I can follow somebody, if I have to, if I'm there on my own, then I'm not really going to jump a whole lot of things. But if I can follow some somebody and watch the speeds and hear their bike. Then I'm then then once I get them down, then I'm okay. Like we're not racing it, so yeah. I mean, I think it's fun. You whoops still are have super fun. fun yeah. To, I, I mean, I really like to go through a set of whoops. And you were always a jumper anyway, so that just comes so for me to this day. Still, like I'd rather ride supercross than outdoors. Man, yeah, that's crazy. That's cool that you guys can still do it, enjoy it. I mean, Jeremy still jumps on, and he's the king of supercross, right? But yeah. I always just <laughs> I always just go, wow, like I can't believe it. He's older than me. He's got to be. 50? Pushing 50? Almost, yeah, I think, right? Still getting on riding Supercross? That's just crazy to me. Yeah. But, um, how about riding the factory bikes? Is that fun to be able to just, like, most people would kill to go be able yeah. to test the factory race bikes, and you're, that's just a normal part of your deal. No, for sure. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, for me, any day that I'm on any type of bike or whatever, like, I, I enjoy riding i enjoy the process of of everything and and learning um i still I, I mean i've been at ktm a little over eight years now and i've learned a lot still have a lot more to learn but that's i don't know that's what makes me makes me happy like i i, I like when there's days when you leave the track going like yeah we made progress today yeah. like we did a good job well you have good guys over there ian harrison to me is one of the coolest guys just He's so friendly and he's so smart. Yeah, we got a good group of people over there for sure. Between Ian, Raj, and Jim, and Ryo, and and the mechanics, Frankie, Carla, it's just we have a really yeah. solid team. Everyone gets along good. We could have we can joke around. Yeah. Like, I mean, at the shop, like I mean, you talk crap, whatever. Like, it's not a work. Like, I don't feel like our team is like a working relationship. Like, it's like a friend. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. You can. It's tightened up over there. There's days a lot, where though. you want to kill people, but then there's days where. Yeah, you're all joking and it's yeah. family. I used. I remember early on when I was working in the media world, you could just walk in and saunter through the whole place, no big deal, kind of unfettered, like you can at Pro Circuit still. But now it's like you need a 
key fob to get in, and then this part's locked out from this. It's like really gotten corporate. Yeah. Yeah. They've really locked it down a bit. For sure. Yeah, it's it's changed since yeah. I first started there yeah. for sure. I mean, I suppose things do. I mean, um, when it, I mean, I think any company would if it grows as much as yeah, they have yeah. over the last few years. Oh, maybe you can't answer this, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. When I watch, even Dungey in, in your guys' time, and now I watch Cooper, and Marvin to a degree, but I, I see it more in Cooper. Those KTM guys are able to just turn way inside of everybody. Do you ever notice that with Dunge? Like whatever the main line is, he can be down below it, going the same speed and make the turn. Maybe that's just the Dungey and Cooper Webb thing. I think but Coop's like, really good at it. Dunge was really good at it. You think that's them, um, not the bike? Or is that something? I think something? it's both. I yeah. think it's both. Like, if you ask me, I think it's both. Like, you have to be good at it, um, one, and you have to have a bike that'll get that'll you there you to do it. Yeah. and do it fast. Um, you mentioned Dunge. I could, I, my bike wasn't good at doing that. I, I could go around the outsides fast, but mm. insides were my tougher part, you know? So yeah. did you notice that racing, watching tape? It's like, yeah, like you can't get there or I can't do it fast or, you know, whatever. Um, bikes completely set up, different manufacturers, but I feel like Dunge liked his a little looser, like taller than I did. So like it was a little more forgiving when he could come into or acceleration bumps or if he had to get into somewhere where I ran, it seemed like I was a little stiffer and I, ha I had to. You were more outside. rigid and a little more chopper, right? So I don't know. That's just what, that's what it looked like for me. Yeah. Is it something that they work on over there specifically you don't want to say oh i see a weird smirk <laughs> no i mean for sure that's <laughs> stuff that we work on and we know that our bike does that good and it's a strong point yeah and so why why take that away you no know? I, I i mean i think coop does it the best yeah he's out of he's great even the dunge by yeah. a, by a long way well coop uses a lot more front brake than yeah everyone and that's a he's just he's good at it yeah, you see him coming to turns a lot of time in the back wheels, not even yeah, on the ground. Yeah, I mean, his his rear brake, he barely even uses, like, the rotor's barely even colored, and the front one's blue. Like, Jeez. he's just complete opposite. And Dunge was pretty good with the front, too, not to Cooper's level, but, hmm. and I think that, that helps hmm. for sure. I just, so, I, it's just something I've watched, and I'm like, I wonder if they they went out and worked on that, you know? Or it's it something just that we, I would say it's, yeah, it's something. It was a target. Yeah. Yeah, well, you hit it. <laughs> um what's the coolest part you've ever tried coolest piece or impossible to say yeah i mean i've tried a, <laughs> a lot of stuff a lot of risky stuff um <laughs> i think the I'd, i would say maybe the most or the biggest change or the most different part or whatever you want to call it that i've tested recently maybe which on hard pack and the test track that thing was really good but then once we went racing we started having some issues was uh going into this season with the air shock i was just gonna ask where that went well yeah because there was the one year where just Dunge the vibration it. of it and it just collapsed yeah and kenny was uh, when i was racing kenny had it at the out at my place in florida yeah and he was riding it a lot yeah so it, it has its things that it does really good like uh, what what what's better and what's worse because there's always a trade-off usually right yeah typically um it it's really good in hard pack like just the hmm. the traction that you can get with it hmm. um it just has a deader i don't know it's it has a deader feel to it it's i wrote different. I don't yeah know how to I, it was it. it was like he says dead like and i don't know if that's maybe that's i don't I know if that's right it's just the i don't 
I rode the old when Kenny was there. I rode his yeah. bike, and he jumped on my bike one time. Yeah. He about went over the bars because it was so live. Yeah. And I jumping it like this <laughs> because it was so dead. <laughs> and we had this long set of whoops, and I'm like, God, this thing's. And he was fast through them, and and I was pretty good in them too, if not the same as him, maybe a little better. We were both really good through them, and I'm like, God, this thing. I don't know how he goes to the whoops. And then I got on it and rode it after couldn't jump it, but then I I was able to go through the whoops, and I was like. Things are actually really good through the whoops. It's just very settled, like doesn't it was react. Yes, it didn't react at all, but, but it didn't feel dead like when you jumped it. Like when I jumped it, I just it didn't do anything. Like yeah. I jumped like this, but then through the whoops, it was a little more lively, but dead at the same time, but had traction. It was this weird feeling because yeah, I didn't run a steel a frame. Yeah, uh, I guess well since oh, oh, three oh four. Uh. Um, it's just way, way different. It's just a different, yeah, I don't know. Well, even if you go from a tie spring to a steel spring. There's difference. That's a huge difference, It's a huge difference in feel. So I can't even, this has got to be crazy. But, like, if you're going onto a tabletop on-off, is it just, like, dead and you don't get any lift? I mean, looking back, probably looking back on what I seen when when Kenny wrote it, it, no, it had. It it, wasn't that. No, it it works. It's 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 weird. It's It's a very unique feeling. He can't talk about it. I'm assuming, but but it's just this weird. I don't want to get you in trouble. I just I'm interested. Watching it, you know, like because Kenny had it on. I remember his practice mechanic. He hooked the pump up to it. And it sucked it up backwards. It actually sucked it up this way. And he's like, I don't know what the fuck just happened to this thing. And it, it malfunctioned yeah. during the week or whatever. You yeah. Know? And then you put the spring one back on. But, um, I mean, technology is just changing. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean. It's just interesting because you see him go to it and then go away from it. And then it comes it, back. It keeps yeah. kind of coming and going. So there, it I, must be good in a spot, but there's still something. Yeah. I mean, still a lot to learn. Don't get yourself in trouble. I just. Yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, but it's cool to see. Us, I, I think it. There's still room for our bikes to grow and get better and do new stuff, and it's cool to see new things come and try stuff like that. What do you think? How, why, why was the air fork uh, a fad? And it goes, and now it's it's gone. Right? Everybody's well, everybody, but KTM still. Yeah, we still have it. Oh, you guys still are running it. Okay. So like, I was on. <laughs> Two or three generations of it at Showa, yeah. and then now they're all just back to running. Did you like it? I didn't mind it. Okay. Yeah, I had a little bit of a harsh feeling, like the earlier ones, but like I think Jake hated it. Yeah. Well, it always had like a crust, you know. And once you broke through that, then it worked okay. But, but the, like, I think the last generation ones that I had rode, that was yeah. Uh, that I feel was like gone. that's gotten even like our production fork. I feel like is pretty good it's, now. It is good. It is. It is. I, the only thing I don't like is that it changes. It's still, if I'm riding a longer moto, which I don't ride a longer moto that often, but... 30 plus twos? Even throughout the day, let's say I check it in the morning. I don't want to check it every time I go out. So if I check it in the morning and it's cooler and then it gets hot during the day and I'm still riding... Yeah, well, typically... I'll check it again and the pressure's gone up. Now yeah, I'm riding with a higher spring Typically, like, yeah. if you go... I don't want to ride. I don't want to have to keep check- checking. Yeah, well, typically if you go like go out, like set whatever you set your pressure to, you go out, it'll probably climb 0.2. And then once you set it that one time, it should stay pretty close after that first time out. Typically. I'm too lazy. I just You're set it in the morning. Right. I know I'm not. He doesn't want to mix his fuel. <laughs> no, I, just, <laughs> I don't want to do that either. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell me about being lazy out the track because <laughs> I know you're like, I ain't touching that. <laughs> I know. The tires, they feel close. We'll just run them. Uh. Um, yeah, no, they work, they work great. Like I've, I'm actually blown away with how good they've gotten in production. It's just it's a little more work. You know what I mean? And I don't want to do it. I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> when I go to the track, I just want to ride. I don't even want to check my pressure. I don't. I want to just get on and go. So you don't check your tire pressure? That's the one thing I'll check. 
but I don't want to mess with it anymore. I you have to check just, it every time you Why don't you just put mooses in it, so you don't have to check it? Because then it's hard. You're right. I should. I don't like the feel of a moose. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Anyway, uh, <laughs> best bike you've ever ridden. You've ridden a lot of cool bikes. Your whole career, your whole testing now, what's the best bike you've ever ridden? Uh, I mean, there's, there's two, like, I would say maybe two that really stand out for me. Um, my earlier one, I would say the first day I rode Mitch's bike. Eye opener. I just laughed. Like, are you serious? This is what I've been racing against. Well, and back then he, ha he still had a huge gap on everybody else. Yeah. You know, they've like, closed it, I think, but I just remember being like, holy crap. Like, are you serious right now? Cheaters. <laughs> and then I would say recently my favorite bike, like if I had my own personal bike that I had to ride every day would be my straight rhythm. 300. Dude, that thing was so good. Do they sell that as a motorbike or it comes as an off-road version, right? And then you got to drop that jug into a 250? Yeah. Yeah. That Those, bike That bike for me is the funnest bike yeah. ever. They sounded so nasty. Oh, dude, the thing was... Stupid I think I've seen good. some videos of, I don't know, if it's you or somebody else that maybe it was Dunge riding at the test track, and they're like, yeah, this 450s struggle doing this thing, and it just comes out. You're, I could out jump I could jump everything that the 450 jumped from the same line, no problem. Yeah. And, the, and some of the obstacles I could do easier only because of how it cornered, because yeah. you can corner yeah, it yeah. really, like, and get in and out. So, like, if it was, like, a rhythm lane into a tight 90, I could do those better on that just because of the way it reacted. Jeez. And it's because of the extra CCs, you can probably roll it on so you could still get like do the thing traction control, you know, control really the wheels. Good. Yeah. Mm. I want to ride it. They don't exist anymore. <gasps> what do you mean they don't exist? They don't make we, them? Well, they the ones that we built, we tore them apart. We just built them and then But you still make a 300, right? If, yeah, if yeah. someone wanted to go build one, they could. Yeah, you yeah, can, you build, can it. build one. I'm gonna build one. I'm going to come. I'm going to build it. Okay. Um, what's next for you, man? What's down the road? Do you do you see yourself? Is there somewhere you want to move to within KTM? Uh, you like where you're at? I enjoy where I'm at. I um, enjoy the people I work with. Um, do you like race team stuff? Or, like, do you want to stay involved with pro racing? Or do you see yourself moving to kind of something else there? Um, do you have any other interests? Like yeah, for sure or? I do. Yeah. Um, I think for me, it's with my family and stuff. I want to be be around more. Mm -hmm. um, my little guy has the interest in racing and is pushing it, and he loves riding and and everything. So I actually, I just took him to let him do. He raced a couple of times last year because he was going to do KGSC, but then with COVID, he didn't get to do that. So it was kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, so we did a couple of races on a 50 and then I just took him racing this last weekend on a 65 for the, free, like he'd been bugging me and I'm like, all right, like, we'll go do it. So we've been riding a little bit, like maybe once or twice a week when I can mainly just yeah. once a week, mini night at Paris. Yeah. So we went out and did the, the Apollo race and, um, never thought my heart rate would be so high. Just, are you nervous? Dude. Well, my little guy is like, <laughs> sends it. He's all or nothing. Like. <laughs> He either you does. Got, you got one of those. Huh? It's coming for you. He will go until the wheels come off, like not scared. So you're you're constantly doing. Hey, 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 whoa! Slow yeah, down. like he already. 
um, last October he crashed and got knocked out and it wasn't, he was, it was a mild, like he was unconscious for maybe 10 seconds or whatever. How scary was that for you? <sighs> Looking back now, I mean, at the time it was a little scary, but I kind of knew like, cause by the time I got to him, he was kind of like, okay. And I'm like, you okay? What happened? Where am I? I'm like, okay. Slapped his head. <laughs> All right, get on the bike. I'll ride you back to the truck. Let's get undressed. Let's go home. Yeah. Same three questions for three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Been there a lot, so I was just like, ah, he'll be all right. Like, Did you video it? You got to record that. Yeah, stuff. we got some. Yeah. So I was like, <laughs> Hannah's like, should we take him in? I'm like, ah, he'll be okay. Let's see how he is in the morning. And he, he took a week off of school and whatever, and he was good. Okay. But then um, I made a – he didn't ride for a month. I made okay. him take a month off. And then towards the end of January this year, he had another really big crash and got knocked out again. But this time he was unconscious maybe two minutes. And mm. that, like, I've never been so scared in my life. And that one was pretty gnarly. Like, um, he had a lot of migraines for a couple of weeks where he was throwing up. And they ended up – Hannah got him into UCLA to the children's concussion clinic. So. Yeah. We had really good doctors, and, and um, he had to be on some medication a little bit for his headache and stuff like that. And then, like, at this point, I'm like, all right, that's it. Like, we're selling this thing. We're done. Like, I'm good. Like, yeah. you play golf good. Like, let's just focus on that. Let's mm. do something different. And so I'm like, told him I'm selling his bike. He starts crying. Like, doesn't. He's like, I just, I don't want to do that. Like, I love to ride. It's what I want to do. I'm like, all right, well, let's just. We're going to take three months off. Like, you're not riding for three months. Like, I don't, like, I want your head to heal. Make sure you're good. Like, let's just take some time off. How is he crashing? Just, is he just going too hard or like? Um, the last one, there was like a, it was like a downhill tabletop into a corner and you kind of had to angle yourself for it and he came up short on oh. it and so it pitched him. Mm. And he just, and I think he, I missed how he landed, but I think he went face first so it kind of slapped. So I think the reason is his face was, like jaw was swollen and stuff so i think the reason he got knocked out as bad as he Hit did i think he got a jaw shot so yeah. i think that's what got him um so we took we took three months off and took him i'm like all right you want to go right yeah i'm ready i'm like where you want to go he's like uh let's go to paris i'm like hey uh, <laughs> not really digging paris buddy yeah, i mean i'm like do you really want to go there? yeah I'm, a, I'm gonna get that jump and i'm like whoa like Let's just back her down a little bit. I said, you're not. Like, we're going to go there. You're going to take it easy. Got a little Danny Magoo Chandler on you. Dude, he is. <laughs> I think the problem is, is, like, even my kids, you look at them and you're like, okay, you're going, but part, they, they're they they're getting ahead of themselves with their, with their with the, how fast, how good they think they are for their skill level. I don't know if that's if that's mm. his, his thing. Like, you're like, yeah, I'm going to just do that. I'm like, dude, you don't even know what you're doing or you're going to hit that thing and it's going to throw you over the bars. Or they, like, you don't know what the consequences yeah. like of it. He, like you know, I saw a video of your kid go off a patio into some grass and go straight over the bars. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he did. Yeah. But, like, no. that, I, that's what I worry about with my No, like for sure. Mine, my like, little dude's like, hey, you think, what about if I, I'm like, please don't jump that. Like, <laughs> please don't. Wow. Well, I think if I just hit it, like, fourth gear wide open, I'm like, no, please don't. Like, we're just here learning. Like, let's just take our time. So we went, so he started riding again. He's been riding, and, Dad, I want to race. I want to race. And I'm like, okay, well, there's a race in a month. Show me that you want to race. Like, yeah. like, stay out of trouble. Like, 
when we go to the track, listen to me, pay attention. Like usually I'll tell them like, Hey, if you did this or whatever, Hey, like, like, okay, fine. I won't help. I just sit back and watch you and let it just watch you struggle. Like <laughs> it's always the jumps too, right? Like I feel like that's where they, well, he's honestly, he's a decent jumper. It was going to the 65 and not using the clutch correctly and like shifting and stuff like that. And, like, he would jump, and he'd be super revved out, like, barely making stuff. And I'd be like, dude, if you shifted up a gear, it would jump way easier, and you would make it a lot easier. No, I'm just going to hit. I'm like, I'm telling you. Like, <laughs> Yeah, what do you know? <laughs> yeah. Shut up, Dad. It's not like you're riding. So once we kind of set the boundaries of if he wants to race, and then finally it took a couple of times, and he was like, okay. And then he, like, started listening, and finally, like, okay, when you come in the corner, use your clutch, like, that kind of stuff. And yeah. I started building, and then I told him, okay, you did a good job. Like, I'll take you racing. So we went racing this last Sunday and he did like, he was better than I thought he was going to be. Like he got good starts. He was like top five every time the first moto he was running fifth and ended up trying to outbreak someone and overlapped and went down. So he got 13th, the next moto got second and then the next one third. And then in the final moto, he was running fifth with like a lap to go in the open 65 class. Like I was like, shit, dude, like proud of you. Like you're doing good. Goes off the jump and like his foot slips off. Oh no. And so it kind of loops him out a little bit and he just tossed it. Just tossed it. Just threw it. And I just, and then he disappeared. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> here we go again. I run over there. He's sitting on the side. Like he got up, got off the side of the track. And he, at that point, we thought he maybe broke his ankle because he, like, it was a decent sized jump that he ditched it off and got x rays. And he ended up just spraining it and bruising his tailbone. We get home, I'm like, dude, I cannot handle this anymore. Like, <sighs> this is enough for me. No, this is what I want to do. And I'm like. Really? He's I, that adamant yeah. about it. Dad, this is, you know, you know how it is. It's just part of it. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know how it is. It's just part of it. I'm like, I don't think I can handle it. I'm like, I couldn't do it, dude. I'm like. Oh, man. So I told him, like, he, I'm like, well, we'll just. We'll keep riding and maybe do some local races, I said. But, like, he's asked me, like, a long, for years now, like, when am I going to go to Loretta's? And I'm like, you're not. <laughs> you're not. He's done two races. <laughs> Dad, when are we headed to Loretta Lynn's? Dude, I'm like, you're not. Like, uh, I told him, my, I, I mean, I could have the wrong way to look at it, but I want him to be a kid right now. I want yeah. him playing baseball, yeah. golf, whatever, having – parties with his buddies sleeping yeah. over doing whatever play days or whatever you know and and i told him like we'll ride we can have fun we can do some local races and i said if this is something you really want to do i wouldn't take you to loretta's until you're probably your your final year on a super mini like at that point i feel like at that point that's when you kind of know like ah, maybe he's got a chance or he doesn't mm. like right now i just want him to enjoy how old is he he's nine yeah, I mean, at least a few, three, four years away, right? Like, I, that's kind of, I don't know, I just, I feel like, I mean, I could be wrong, but I want him to, to enjoy every, have a childhood. Like you have the yeah, rest of your yeah, life. Yeah. I, I also think other sports, whatever it is, you know, will help with racing. They'll for make sure. him more athletic in general. I think team sports are good for him. Totally. Yeah, I, I agree with that. For his athletic development and his yeah. personal development. Right. Yeah. And then on the other hand, I got my daughter who's like super sensitive, plays soccer, does dance. And like you just look at her mean and she starts crying. Like, <laughs> you got the spectrum, huh? Dude. Oh, man. But it's good. But no, I mean, we'll see what what happens. And, and 
right now I enjoy everything I do and enjoy being in the position I'm in. Um, right now I don't go to my, my positions changed a little bit. So right now for me, I only do supercross only. Okay. Um, I stay home from outdoors now because I've taken more roles on the R and D side of development and stuff. So during the summer I, I handle more R and D stuff and more riding of production bikes and, and stuff like that. So right now I'm kind of supercross only and then we'll we'll kinda of see where we go from here. But you're still going to every supercross, huh? Yeah. Do you yeah. do you mind that travel? Mm. Are you okay with it? I was the schedule this year was tough with being gone like oh, the, the uh, long yeah. the long stays and stuff, those ones were tough mm. for sure. And it made the the normal rounds where you fly in on Friday, fly home on Sunday, like nothing. Yeah. Like after doing those, it, it definitely changed the outlook on that stuff. Hmm. I, I hate the travel. Like I don't, I just, I couldn't do a job where I travel. That was the th- one of the things when I was managing here. I'm like, I, yeah, I, I mean, can't do it. Yeah, I mean, eventually, I I would like to get to where I'm not. Yeah. But well, you're doing like anything. It takes time. Yeah. And yeah, those doors will open. Yeah. So right now, naturally. I just kind of enjoying the, the things that i'm doing and, and um enjoying i guess not traveling on summer and, yeah. and riding and and doing fun stuff so yeah all right if there was anything in your career you could go back and do differently one thing what would it be what would be the one thing you'd change i don't know that's a tough one i don't know you got I'm, a time machine you can go back I know. I mean, th- and you get the same outcome. No, I mean, you can change whatever the decision. See, that's was. the hard thing. Like, I look at it. Everything for me, everything happens for a reason. And I would like, yeah, it sucks that my last race was what it was. Yeah. But I wouldn't be where I am today if that didn't happen. That's a good point. So you wouldn't have changed lines when you went off the track in Detroit. <laughs> that one, yeah. But then again, <laughs> it's like, yeah. There's oh, you some, don't know what would happen, but yeah. Sh- I mean, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of things that. Yeah. But I'm also uh, happy with how sure. everything's turned out. With well, how everything's has gone. That's a good answer, man. I'm glad. I'm glad you don't have regrets. So that's good. All right. Last question we asked everybody: How do you want to be remembered in this sport? Um. I think for me, just someone that was respectful and and all like no matter if if no matter what it was I always I feel like I always give my best and and try to do everything the best I can and and treat people the way I want to be treated um and hopefully I'm around for a long time and and can help if it's developing bikes if it's helping other kids if it's whatever I mean just hopefully somebody that was I guess nice to be around yeah. Well, I think you're nailing that so far. Trying. <laughs> do you do you prefer working on bikes, improving bikes, or working with riders and helping them? I mean, honestly, I enjoy both. Yeah. Like like I said, with with doing this stuff on race team with the dartfish overlays, I I enjoyed that. Like sitting and going over video, like hey, if you do this or if you do that, like or even be able to do an overlay and like that. Yeah, that line looks sick, but it's not faster. Mm-hmm. Like I enjoy, and then being able to see the results come like yeah i enjoy that kind of stuff but then 
it's almost I and my wife gets mad at me because she's like you're always in the garage working on the bike like for me working on my son's bike too like just making sure everything's good and checking over stuff is almost like therapy for yeah. me just kind of yeah I don't know it does yeah. I enjoy both of them yep. to be honest that's awesome well then you're in the perfect spot because you're doing both yeah it keeps yeah. you busy well buddy I appreciate you coming on man I'm, thanks for having I'm me always been a big fan of yours and um, like I said, there's not one person in this industry that talks bad about you, except Ryan. Yeah. He's just, Sometimes. Yeah, he's Sometimes. just a real dick that way. <laughs> no, thanks so much for coming on, man. Thanks for Appreciate it. Me. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. RV, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. I always love to hear your input no and insight. And, um, you're good up here, dude. You think so? Yeah, huh? I got to bump up your salary. That's right. Hey, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, stay tuned. We'll wrap up the show. That was Ryan Morris. We'll be back. I want to be back. Welcome back, everybody. That was our show with Ryan Morris. Big thank you to him for coming in. Also, Ryan Villapoto. Uh, I love having RV on. I, I love his perspective on, on things. He's, he's been around a long time, seen it, and obviously seen it from the very highest level of the sport. So I, I enjoy having him on. And uh, I think people, I uh, hope you enjoyed Morris, Ryan Morris' uh, story. You know, he's, um, again, just reiterates how gnarly this sport is, how how much adversity you have to push through if you really want to make it typically in this sport. And um, I love seeing a guy that's that's just that nice of a guy succeed um, post-racing in, and stay in our sport. We need those kind of guys uh, to hang around our sport, and um, I believe he'll be at, at KTM for the long haul, which is great. So stoked on him coming in. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Um, that's our show. We're going to uh, thank some of our sponsors, folks. Uh, Please, I know it's easy to just tune out, but support the sponsors of this show because without them, we can't bring this to you. So we're offering you guys discounts on a lot of their products. And, uh, you know, the, the, the guarantee I make to you every, every week is I, I will not partner with companies that I don't believe in 100%. So um, give them a try. I promise you won't be disappointed. And honestly, if you are, get in touch with me. I want to make it right because I think that um, I've, I've really been careful about who we partner with. And... Uh, Really proud to be associated with all these brands. And uh, let's run through those real quick. Thanks for watching. The Whiskey Throttle Show is brought to you by Yamaha. Join the Blue Crew today and take advantage of all that Yamaha has to offer, including amateur racing trackside support, awesome Yamaha contingency, Jason Rain's demos and instructional classes, and frankly, the most high-performing motorcycles available on the market today. Whether you're looking for a four-stroke, a two-stroke, a side-by-side, -side, a quad, a boat, a generator, Yamaha prides themselves on absolute top-level quality and reliability. Rev your heart with Yamaha and join the Blue Crew today. A uh, big thank you to PowerDot. This is one of our original sponsors, and uh, they've been solid. It's an incredible product if you're injured, trying to prevent injury. Uh, it also has a massage feature, so whether you have an injury or not, you can use this thing. I promise you if you use it, you're not going to be disappointed. 20% off using our code WhiskeyThrottle. No spaces, no capitals. And uh, it's, it's worth every single penny. Go check them out, PowerDot.com. Method Race Wheels, bringing you the lightest, strongest, fastest wheels in off-road for your truck, van, sprinter, UTV, or SUV. They've been dominating the Baja 500 and 1000 and every major off-road event around the world for years with high quality and performance. They also look amazing. They come in a bunch of different styles and colors for your rig, so check them out. 
You can get 20% off a set of wheels using our code Whiskey Throttle. No capitals, no spaces. 20% off using our code. Check them out. Also, coming soon, the R1M Project. Method Race Wheels makes a dive into the motocross world. Stay tuned. Troy Lee Designs is the leader in off-road motocross apparel and style. So whether you're looking for a cool new paint job for your helmet, maybe your name and number on your helmet lettered on, you're looking for new gear, you're looking for mountain bike gear, off-road gear, they've got the brand new Scout line, GP and SE models. Troy Lee Designs has it all. They've been leading this industry for decades, and they're going to continue to do it. Check out TroyLeeDesigns.com. SKDA is a moto graphics and seat covers company with several offices based around the globe. For too long, bikes and graphics have all looked the same. They just start to blend together. SKDA is working to change that. With super clean and unique design work, a bike with SKDA graphics stands out in a crowd and adds a touch of art to the world of moto. Hey, we need that. SKDA prides itself on providing premium customer service both before and after the sale is made. Visit SKDA online to view the current product range and get in touch with their team to get your bike refreshed. I want to just make a, a mention here that these guys, not only is their design way outside the box, very, very cool. They'll work with you on custom things. The, the products are incredible, okay? They'll speak for themselves. But what's really awesome, and you'll notice this the minute you order one of these, man, they give you an email saying, hey, the product's been shipped. Uh, hey, the product is here. It landed in this spot. Hey, it's coming today. Hey, your product's been delivered. They, they're just so good about staying in touch with you and letting you know where it's at. Customer service is 100%, and uh, that's just something that's rare these days. Check out SKDA. Here at the Whiskey Throttle Show, we're all about supporting brands that support our sport. And there's one tire company that has never walked away from the sport of motocross and supercross, and it's Dunlop. When times got tough and the economy took a crash, Dunlop stepped up and stayed with our sport to support it and the athletes and individuals that love it. Their MX-53 line and MX-33 lines absolutely dominate this sport. Every national championship at the pro level has been won in the last decade, and nearly every single amateur national championship at Loretta Lynn's has been won on a Dunlop. So if you're looking for high performance, you're looking for amazing quality, and you're looking to support a brand that never turns its back on our sport, there's only one choice for you, and it's Dunlop. Pro Circuit is the leader in aftermarket performance and quality. Whether you're looking for a little more horsepower out of your engine, some quality hard parts to improve the way your bike feels and looks, better handling through suspension or linkage or linkage arms, Pro Circuit is where you need to stop. It's your one-stop shop. You can go in there and get everything you need to make your motorcycle go from average to exceptional. Pro Circuit's got enough number one plates on their wall to side an entire home. And there's a reason for that. They're very, very good at what they do. Uh, the highest quality products with one goal in mind, and that's winning. Check out ProCircuit.com. Nihilo Concepts is leading the way in aftermarket hard parts. With their secondary on-switch device, something that was much needed in this sport, they've been innovating and bringing new products to market. Their latest is the new Nihilo Run-Cool Brake Pistons. They're designed to be stronger than stock and provide exceptional cooling performance with less brake drag. Most OEM calipers pistons are made from aluminum that just can't hold it to the heat and extreme demands of serious racing. When they get hot, the aluminum will distort, causing loss of hydraulic pressure and brake failure. Nihilo's run-cool pistons limit the area that boiling hot hydraulic fluid is able to come in contact with the piston, leaving two-thirds of the piston volume in open air with breather holes to enhance the cooling ability. It's made of a proprietary stainless blend which is better at dissipating heat. You have issues with brake fade or brake failure, check out Nihilo Concepts among their many 
amazing hard parts and carbon fiber parts and titanium. Nihiloconcepts.com. Senna is the leader in motorcycle helmet communications. There's really two prongs to why this is important. One of them is safety. If you're a dad who's watching your kid out on a track, being able to communicate with him about a rider down or a track situation is imperative. You don't want him coming over a jump and seeing a rider down and getting himself involved in that. So from a safety aspect, it's huge. You can also coach them. So if you see them taking a line, doing something that they could be improved, it's very easy to just click a button and speak to them right in their helmet in real time. This has been a proven coaching technique used by many motorcycle coaches. There's also just the simple fun factor. Being able to chat with your buddy while you're out on a ride, share music between one another, answer phone calls, it just takes your riding experience to another level. So whether you're using the 50S or 50R connected through a mesh network in your helmet, or you're using a Tough Talk headset connected with one of those, Senna is the leader in quality and performance in motorcycle helmet communications. Check them out at Senna.com. Seat Concepts is the leader in motorcycle saddles. If you're looking for a new cover or a new seat entirely, Seat Concepts is the place to go. They make custom seat foams catered to your height, weight, riding ability, riding type. They also have waterproof covers and, and foams that will not break down if you ride in a lot of inclement weather. And they pride themselves on being much more comfortable than OEM or any other aftermarket company. If you're looking for a new seat or a new cover, Seat Concepts, there's nothing better. Need to replace something on your bike that's worn out? Look no further than Pro-X. These guys aim to make everything OEM quality or better at an affordable price. And they've also got some new products coming. So right now, chains, sprockets, anything inside the, in the engine internally, air filters. If it wears out, Pro-X makes it, and they make it at a quality level that's OEM or better. And they've got some new things coming that are awesome. A complete engine rebuild kits for the Polaris RZR 800s, Need to replace something on your bike that's worn out? Look no further than Pro-X. These guys aim to make everything OEM quality or better at an affordable price. And they've also got some new products coming. So right now, chains, sprockets, anything inside the, in the engine internally, air filters. If it wears out, Pro-X makes it, and they make it at a quality level that's OEM or better. And they've got some new things coming that are awesome. A complete engine rebuild kits for the if you've got a little Grom that's looking to get started in the motorcycle world, the best way to get them going is on a Stasic bike. They've got multiple sizes, so from your very young Groms to those who are a little more grown up, you can start them safely. They've got controls that allow you to control the speed so he can't get going too quick. They can touch the ground. There's not a lot of noise to distract them. It's the perfect way to get your child involved in motorcycling at a very young age. And if you've got a kid who's already out ripping, there's series popping up all over. For those of you in Southern California, go to www.ameminicross.com and join their local series. If you're outside of this state, contact your local track and ask them about starting a Stasic class at your local track. Get over to stasic.com and check out all they've got going on. Motul USA, uh, we, we lean hard on these lubricants to keep us uh, on the track and on the trail. And Motul has proven their quality over and over, uh, most recently with their Dakar win with Ricky Brabeck. Uh, they're sponsoring Supercross teams. They're diving into our sport again full full throttle, and uh, we're stoked to have them on board. Amazing products, top to bottom. Motul USA, go check them out. OGO is the leader in motorcycle storage solutions. As motocross riders, we need a gear bag, we need a helmet bag, a boot bag, a backpack, a travel bag, a hydration pack, maybe a toolkit to wear around your waist if you're on an off-road ride. 
OGO makes all of that, and their products are absolutely top of the line. I've got stuff I've had for several decades, just to give you an idea of how long this stuff lasts. If you're not sure, ask around, talk to folks who've had some of this stuff, and they will confirm that OGO's quality is absolutely second to none. So go check them out, OGO underscore powersports.com, and look at all they've got to offer right now. And finally, last but not least, specialized bicycles. If you are in the market to start pedaling, this is where you want to start. Uh, they've got great entry-level bikes all the way up to the Cadillac, the new Levo um, e-bike. Uh, any, anything in between, man. It doesn't matter what kind of riding you're doing. Go check out and start with Specialized. Don't waste your time on something that's going to break. The derailleur's not going to shift after a couple months. Get something quality. Uh, these guys make it. Specialized leads that industry. That's our show. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks for watching the Whiskey Throttle Show. Don't forget to like and subscribe and click the bell to get alerts for all the latest content. Follow us on Twitter at W underscore throttle underscore show. And on TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram at Whiskey Throttle Show. Oh, yeah.